Welcome back. We are living through some terrible fucking times here, but today we're going to take you back to a worse time, 1987, <laughs> when Ginties yeah. were allowed to run amok. <laughs> fucking yeah. Christ. Yeah. And 87 is the year of the baby boy Griff's birth, and I'm still calling it the worst time ever. <laughs> It was, it was the best of times. It was the worst. Exactly. Times. We could have nixed that year. We got no Griff. We got no podcast. But we wouldn't have Robert Ginty. And I think that's a net plus. Yeah, Griff. Let's just be real. We're whores. We'll do anything. If someone gives us something, we'll let them on the show. And this is <laughs> this is why we have our guest on today. He sent us, he was kind enough to send us some, uh, well, kind enough and cruel enough. I don't know what the phrase is. He sent us some Ginty t-shirts. And I was flattered and enraged at the same time. And I was like, I need to reward you and punish you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're coming on. Longtime Twitter friend, friend, by the way. You're coming on and you're doing a Ginty movie with us. You're going to suffer with us. You're going to experience because. People don't realize what we go through when we do a Ginty movie. Griff yeah. and I, we fast for two days beforehand yeah. because the first time we vomited in the mic. Yes. Mattingly had to like clean it for like days. Mattingly makes an appearance in this movie. He does make an appearance in this movie. And so it's it's rough on us, dude. It's 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 arduous. Right. This is our desert trip. We need a guide to take us through it. And thankfully we got one of the greatest Ginty guides of all time. Yeah, this is our this is our Ginty. I mean, let's see. We've got our lycanthropist Chris, expert on all cryptozoology. Amazing. Jack Bedelaire, our weapons master. Ex- Excellent. Abra, our expert on bottomless strip clubs. And helicopters. And, and helicopters. Our father was, not really sure. Uh, she said she took a lot of that knowledge. Well, did she absorb it? Yeah. Like, just from the womb? Yeah. It's kind of like the girl on Dune, the, yeah. the daughter. That's so good. now we have a gintologist. <laughs> It took me a minute to process that. A gintologist. Our man, our new main man, filled the glass. I was that was that Jan's uh, made up boyfriend from Brady Bunch. I think it was Phil Glass. Ooh, interesting. Phil, I got uh, any comment about that? Uh, Is that where you got I it, Phil? I don't. I didn't mean to steal it from the Brady Bunch, but it's it's good to be here to talk about my favorite topic today, Robert Ginty. I'm excited. I guess somebody's got to have Ginty right. as their favorite topic. Somebody has, yeah. Yeah, he's I great. Mean, there, there's a lot of avenues to discover. It's just like uh, the nauseating effect of Robert Ginty, <laughs> the offensive, like how offensive a face can be with Robert Ginty. Like, th- there's a lot of things. They're usually associated with negative things, but, I mean, you made a career out of it, so I fucking yeah. bravo. Yeah, he's a, you know that Robert Ginty was a musician. He was a no. drummer. He was a drummer for Hendrix and Joplin. What? Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. These, no, these two yeah. things can't exist in the same world. No. This, he, he, he has rhythm. That totally makes sense because uh, they both died choking on their own vomit. So, so. <laughs> you know that part about his life. Yeah, so I, mean, I think... I would believe it if he was in one of those bands that wear like black hoods over their faces, like uh, I think the Mentors did or something. Yeah, the like Mentors that. make a, an appearance in this movie. They do, yeah. El Duce's so, in this movie. I could uh, I could imagine Ginty in a band like the Mentors. I can't imagine him <laughs> in a band where his faces. Do they have the Neil Pert drum kit maybe where he's hidden? No, I've never seen him actually perform, <laughs> but apparently he got into acting. 
he wasn't actually into acting, which is shocking, seeing his his body of work. But yeah, is it shocking? I mean, he could barely act. Yeah, he was in a movie where he was in the band playing for somebody, and they're like, "Yeah, you should be an actor." And that's then the rest is history. He was on uh, the Paper Chase. Everybody, who the fuck said that? Were they like joking? (laughs) Like, yeah, you should be an actor. You have the perfect butt face for it. Your butthole mouth and your butt cheek jowls. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit, Robert Ginty. Yeah, he's great. I agree. <laughs> he he had a mullet in this movie that just... Well, it was the late 80s. You had to have a It mullet. was so yeah. disturbing, though. It, it's on Ginty. Of course it's disturbing. But it's like, okay, some mullets, it's like, whatever. I get it. Mullets, mullets. But he had that like tight back, like. What did you like hairy... better, his hair in this one or his hair in the Murder She Wrote episode, well, where it looked like he had, like, like Aubrey said, like he had a wig on top of a wig. It's so that is such a hard thing to say because he was constantly puckering his little butt cheek mouth in this, whereas last week he was hiding behind Jessica Fletcher constantly. So I have to go. I have to go with last week's hair. Because he was constantly hiding behind Jessica, not so much because of the hair. But this one, full frontal mullet, not into it. He's looking sharp. <laughs> best. Well, well no, when you're talking about get, it's Ginty, it's best to be drunk. Yes. And uh, and Phil, you have a drink that you prepared for Mania Killer. We don't, we're still not sure what this movie's called. Is it Mania Killer? Is it Mania Killer? What's yeah, the they- drink? What's the drink, yeah. Phil? Yeah, the drink is <clears throat> so. What I did is, you know, in the movie, we'll talk about it later. But there's this giant bowl of sangria. Now, I'm not. That would take me like a couple of days to make that, so I didn't make that. What I did is, I made a beer cocktail for today, and it's a Belgian wit beer mixed with a Founders. So you guys are up here, there, right? Founders isn't Founders, Grand yeah, Grand, uh, Grand, Grand Rapids. Yeah. So I got a dirty bastard. Yep. So I mixed the whip beer and the dirty bastard. So the dirty bastard is like your ginty, and yeah. the whip beer is the whip beer, and I call <laughs> the cocktail the half wit. There you have. It. I do. So, I'm drinking it right now. It's delicious. You just you just mix half and half. It's beautiful. So put up pause. Make that drink. You're gonna need it. For yeah, this fucking movie. I believe the dirty bastard is something like nine percent or something too. Yeah. So you'll you'll be feeling that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I've been getting... eating all day, so I'm I'm ready. Oh, geez, you're gonna be ready to go. He's see, he's prepared too. He didn't want to vomit on his first uh, experience. <laughs> yeah, gold globes. Yeah, be careful. Oh, well, don't drink too many of those, otherwise you might turn it might turn to vomit. But my God, I'm glad you bring up Halfway because I don't know who the villains are supposed to be in this movie. I don't know who the good guys are supposed to be in because everybody. I don't know why this movie exists. I was watching it. I'm like, who, who said, "Hey, yes, I want to fund this movie." Right? Red, there, there was no script. For this we movie. have a huge problem with time. Well, we always have problems with time in movies, but yeah. the time that it actually took to film this movie because we have a discrepancy in when this debuted. 81 or 87, and I believe Phil had some information. Maybe Mania that. Killer debuted in 81 <laughs> and Maniac in 87. That's, that might be the answer. Uh, so the director of Mania uh, Killer is Andrea Bianchi, who is billed as Frank Drew White in this movie, which I guess is what it is in Italian or whatever 
He's from Why was Drew White in all caps? Because it said because... Frank, and then it was like Drew White. <laughs> I don't remember that. That was the like credit. It was like foreshadowing Matthew on the computer doing Memes paint or something. <laughs> Thank yeah. Drew. But I think Why? I think Andrea Bianchi, who who directed the great. Burial Ground. Everyone loves Burial Ground. Great yeah. movie. The movie and, that uh, Patrick still lives. He was cranking those out in like villas in 1981, 82. So I think he filmed part of it and then they picked up the footage and they finished it in 87 with all the Gintyisms. Okay. So like in 81, like, guys, I found this footage. It's too good to let waste. Get get, get Ginty and Chuck Connors <laughs> on, the, on the phone. We need a total fucking sex creek to get out here. Robert Gintz. And while we're at it, Bo Svensson. Get him oh, on there, too. Yeah. I mean, it could have just been like a little sizzle reel to get people captivated, and they show like the underground, the caverns, and the mutton chops. I did and... want more of the sex cult. That was intriguing. Yeah. I wanted less of Ginty. Less of Ginty. More people with hoods on their face, because if Ginty had a hood on his face, he's tolerable. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. He's the best. <laughs> love Robert Ginty. Did you know that Robert? So the, the other theory I have is Robert Ginty, after like he did what is the big movie he did with where he's burning people up and Exterminator. Like, Exterminator. So when after he did Exterminator, he, he that movie made a lot of money. Like um, he, he was like addicted to being wanting to be an action hero. So you guys did White Fire. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh. <laughs> and you did uh, Where's the Wasteland? So the yeah. he created his own film distribution company after with what? I think with the money, yeah, and and he he actually I think distributed all those garbage movies where he was the lead actor because he wanted to be an action star. So yeah, Ginty uh, maneuvered his way into stardom and kind of bought his way onto the screen. So if you're curious. I think that's what happened. Like he was looking for something in his portfolio to put out, and and we got Mania Killer. Oh, that that what? actually makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It if you were into files, you know this, but <laughs> I mean, my biggest gripe with Ginty was always he's not a tough guy, and he and then Phil just laid it out. He he's true. He's not a tough guy. He bought his way into toughness. That yeah, that makes perfect. He booked himself. You did. Yeah. I, I, I hate it. And at the same time, I understand now why Ginty made it to so many movies. This is the kind of useless knowledge I have to share. <laughs> well, that's why you're here. You're, you're a Gintologist. Yeah, something, so, something about your half-wits that you're drinking is allowing you to tap into <laughs> Ginty's brain. And we're going to have to lean into that knowledge throughout this G- movie. Ginty Films domain is still on, up. There's still a website for Ginty Films. I don't know. Someone just like bought it off this scrap heap because it's not really Robert Ginty movies. But there is, you still, it still oh. resolves to a website. Yeah, oh. Ginty Films. Well, now that we're aware of Who's it. Who's wasting their time doing that? Yeah, we're going to be working on getting that taken down. Um, <laughs> we do not believe in free speech, and Robert Ginty is certainly not free speech, so we're going we're gonna to nix that one. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this movie. I think we need to just get to the... Is there a trailer for this fucking movie? There might be. <laughs> if there's not, we'll string one together. <laughs> so, I don't even know what to say. Uh... Get get your uh, your dimwits for uh, half wits. Get your oh, half wit ready. Me, have to be careful. 
yeah, we're gonna have to be very careful about this one. There's a very challenged character. Yes. I'll I'll add in some audio of it so you know what we're talking about. But halfwit is the scientific term used in this movie, and we're gonna use it. All right. So if you guys are living in 1981, get ready for Mania Killer. If you're living in 1987, get ready for a great trailer for Maniac Killer. This is the ancestral book of perennial truth, written with blood for the descendants of our mighty and noble clan, whoever you shall be from now until doomsday. In the presence of the deity, creator and preserver of man's transcendental spirit, I solemnly admonish you to never forget. Purity cannot be preserved without fighting the prince of darkness, the archfiend, Satan. Torture! Only torture of the flesh can drive the demons from the bodies of impure and evil women. The iron pliers. just made you listen to it might have been my cat vomiting it might have been you know like the birds outside well, that's perfect fighting. sense because we open up with a cat we do that's right and it's a black cat like i our... was getting like roger corman edgar Allan poe vibes yes yes off of this and it's... here's the black bastard himself just laying in the table he loves us talking about these horrible movies and he just lays yeah, on the table in front of us and listens yeah you don't like it and we so we see this cat and we just hear the, ah, oh. it's like the jowls just jiggling. Yeah, and we're already like getting us in the mood for horror. Because by the way, like 
we're an action movie podcast, but like we said, we're whores. We so we, if you give us a present, we'll let you pick whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Yeah, so no, we're we... going a little out. There. It's not Schlocktober. It's Schlocktober in May right now. Phil, you, you're on the East Coast too, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. On yeah. Okay, so yeah, we've been uh, terrorized by the weather lately. So you know, it, it felt right to do some horror because of just the horrors of the weather lately. The so. Horrors of the world we're living in right now. Exactly. Oh yeah, they're too. That too. Are you eating a crab cake right now as we speak? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a crab cake sandwich. Uh, I've got some Old Bay that I'm sprinkling on my forehead. It's amazing. <laughs> Phil, let's just talk about The Wire. Why don't we just talk about The let's Wire? Let's just talk about The Wire. Yeah. Bubbles. Let's talk about The Wire. Let's, let's just talk about The Wire. That's, I can say. And Blair Witch Project. We're good. I can say I, I've been to Maryland. My dad lived in Maryland in the late okay. 80s, so I've been there. Oh. Did not have the crabs. Did, did not get crabs. Did not have the crabs. Excellent. So yeah. we we see we hear the jowls. We're already nauseous. It's like the brown sound, but it's, it's the jowls. Sound. Right. And then I I can you hear feet, shoes kind of no. That was the jowls. The oh, that was just jowls. Yeah, that was jowls. Oh. You you mistake. You know, it I I mistook. Yeah. But was has Tarantino ever said he's been influenced by this movie? Because there's a lot of feet shots in this movie. <laughs> if he is, I have not come across that footage yet. And you know me. I only listen to Tarantino interviews. You, there was that scene in Kill Bill where Uma Thurman bit a woman's nipple off. So she, he might be influenced by this director. I, I think that he actually, and when we get to it, I think the, that Reservoir Dogs stole the scene from Inti's playroom at the end, actually. Oh. I think the, the ending of Reservoir Dogs was completely hacked from this movie. It's a yeah. shame. It's a shame Ginty didn't get credit for it. You know what? I think I think you're right about that. I think I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Yeah, that's intriguing. Yeah, it it does explain why there's a pinball machine in the background of Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we get the boring uh, credits. <laughs> you were really bored by the credits. I could tell. This is uh okay. So I this movie takes place in France for some reason. Is, is the is the director from France or he's Italian, isn't he? It's Italian or Spanish. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. It's all the same. They're it's all Euro, the same. It's Euro it's, trash. It's it's, it's Eurocene. That's what it says. Eurocene. <laughs> no, exactly right. So we but see. Why, but, but why is it a cat? Like, I know we just talked about the cat, and I know we got to move on. But I'm so puzzled by why you put a face of a cat there. What does that have to do with the movie? Well, it, what is anything? Have well, to do no, with the animals I mean, played a part in the movie because when? we see oh, a, yeah. a half-witted child cackling to himself, throw the cat into a bag when the credits end. Yes. Are and, we sure the guy was a child? Because we know the director loves to use elderly men as children. <laughs> Wait, he does? Yes. The movie, yeah. the movie Burial Ground has like a 50-year-old man playing a 12-year-old. Oh, Wow. Okay. Yeah, Pietro yeah. Bartolucci, which is billed as yeah. Peter Bark in the, in in Burial Ground. Let's, but but we digress. We digress. Back to <laughs> maniac <laughs> killer. Okay. All right. So we see a pimp slap putting his hoe in place. Do we know immediately it's a pimp prostitute situation? Because I thought I thought they were a couple. No, I think it's pretty much played out that she, that you know yeah. he's like. 
Get back in there and oh. shake your ass, woman. Make me some money. Oh, I thought she wanted. They were gonna go home. You see, I read this. See, well, he I'm slapped so, her, so I just assumed he was. I'm pill. just so innocent. I heard this as a couple like spatting about going back home, and he's like, "You don't clean your house well enough." Well, we Griff, we learned from the Mac, super underrated episode, by the way, that he wants to be her father, her friend, and her lover. Yes, of course. So he was like. Yeah, I'll come back to your place and fuck you. Did you clean it? And she's like, I cleaned it as best as ever. And he's like, you don't know how to clean. And then he smacked her across the face. Because she doesn't know how to clean. The house? or The house. Oh, I thought you were talking something else. Oh, Did you yeah, clean? No. You know, she was out on the street. Oh, well, you know I want guess the sloppy seconds. But that's, that's what I have it written down as. So he says, bitch, get your ass home. Clean up. So she walks home. And then we just hear... It's like it's it's a swerve. They're faking us out because you're thinking, "Oh my God, Ginty's on the attack." Yeah, he's gonna molest this woman. Anybody who's listened to any of our Ginty episodes know that is the sound of terror. Yes, if you look anything like his sister, you better look the fuck out. Yeah. So she's like, and she's hearing the jiggle, the jowls. She's just like, "Oh, you just, <laughs> you just you hear that noise, and you just." I like that the jiggle of the jowls match the jiggle of her trying to open her door and dropping her key. Oh, there's th- this guy, Frank Dwight. White. He's an auteur. He's got some shots in this movie that you're like, wow, he really thought about that yeah. shot. We'll get into that, too. Right. But, yeah, so he's, he's sinking the jowls with the jiggle. The jingle, right. jiggle with the jingle. And so, and she's just, she's flustered because she, when did you ever hear that sound? Right. I imagine this is how Phil is with the, the, the old Bay seasoning. It's like you just get so excited to get that fucking paprika out. Wait, what is old Bay seasoning even? Is it pepper and salt it, and paprika? Uh, let, me, let me go to my cabinet and get the can. I can read all the, <laughs> the ingredients. It's like a giant like trash can size can. <laughs> of course it is. I imagine you have the trash can, the recycle bin, and then the old Bay. Or a dispenser. Yeah, with like a garden shovel so you can just <laughs> plow that onto your pancakes. Yeah. It's delicious. It really is. You know, I've had that. So, talk, f- fuck you, Hitchcock. Frank Drew White is building the tension. She's constantly dropping her keys and picking them up and dropping them and picking them up. <laughs> and running behind buildings and everything. Yeah, she drops the keys, hides. So, I think the coast is clear and then comes back. And this is where we're thinking Ginty's just going to lunge on her. But no, it's, it's, it's your, your favorite character in the movie, Griff, Sam. Oh, yeah, Sam. He's got a kind face to him. <laughs> kind face. Look, when you're you comparing... You like George Animal Steel, is what When I you compare it to Robert Ginty's face, Sam's got a kind face. <laughs> and he grabs her. And she drops her uh, purse. And he carries her away. And this... Now we see... I. I, believe, I think uh, uh, Phil pointed out, and I, I think he's right. We, we get the scenes that were shot in 1981 because there's a certain kind of graininess to them. And we, we see the sex cult, which apparently we're all under the oppression these guys are Satanists. No, they're not. They're anti-Satanists. Yeah, and I think, I think right before the, 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 the dungeon... They cut to actually to Chuck Connors. I think Chuck Connors is his first appearance is right after Sam drags her away. They show Chuck Connors like walking down that staircase. 
and then they focus on it's the first appearance of that big bowl, like that fish bowl of sangria. It was sangria. I thought it was pea soup. It's sangria. (laughs) If you look at it, there's like a pineapple in it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But that's all they show. So it's, it's easy to miss that scene. But they were trying to like this whole movie. They're trying to use these cuts to like divert you or think somebody is related to somebody else. It's really quite skillful filmmaking, in my opinion. It it fooled me. There's a scene coming up yeah. that tricked me. There is a half of this movie where it feels like they do a good job of, you know, misdirecting. And then there's yeah. the other half of the movie. It feels like, no, we're going to Tony Khan book this thing and just, like, randomly shift these parts all over the place so you have no clue what's going on. Yeah, so right now we're like, who is the maniac killer? Is it is it Sam? Is it... Is it Chuck Connors? Well, we read the credits. We know who it is. I was just well, watching it and going, poor Chuck Connors. He Did he have, like, some bills to pay? Why is he in – did he want a free trip to Paris? Question. Does Chuck Connor always look like he probably is up to some shady shit? No, he's I, the rifle man. He was a hero. Well, he's not a, he played for the Celtics, so he's a piece of shit. But he – played for the Celtics? Back in, like, the 50s or 60s, he played Incredible. for the Celtics. And then he became an actor, the rifle. If first of all, if you want to see actually a good uh, horror movie, Chuck Connors, see Tourist Trap. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's way better than this shitty it's movie. Oh, but yeah, like like uh, Phil said, they're swerving us. They're playing with our minds. We're like, who who do we trust? Who do we believe? Because he's looking pretty. He's got that bubbling sangria. I don't trust that. Yeah, anybody who boils their sangria. I mean, I don't know how to make sangria, but I don't believe it includes boiling. Maybe he's trying. He's a scientist. Maybe he's trying to like uh, pasteurize it. Oh my god! I know exactly what you're talking about now. And that fucking that made no sense. (laughs) Who is doing their science with heavy citrus? There's definitely pineapples. He's he's way ahead of his time. Maybe. All right. So he's right. And then we go back to the. Now we're in a dungeon, a sex dungeon. Okay. And we see. It, I just called him Lemmy Clausmeister because he looks like Santa Claus meets Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah, I like he's, it. He's got the mutton chops, the mustache, red hood. You know who would have really liked to have seen in this role? Uh, shit, I can't remember his name from oh, great, uh, Get yeah. Evan. Yeah, I agree. Mur, mur, mur. John DeHart? <laughs> Not John DeHart. Oh, it's actually too. our little image here. <laughs> That's oh, the image. William Smith. Nor- Normad. 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 <laughs> Was it Normad Murray? That sounds right. Yeah, it's Normad. Yeah, Normad. I expected Normad because he ran a sex cult thing. But that's the thing. He ran. He was a Satanist. These guys aren't Satanists. Th- that is the craziest part. When I was talking to Murray, when I was seventy-five percent through this movie, I was like, "Man, these Satanists are fucked." And he's like. Uh, Griff, pay your fucking attention. They are not Satanists. They're trying to heal the world, not shave the world. Right, like, that's the thing. Who's the, who's the maniac killer? Like, these guys are the good guys. They are. I, Gimpy's the good guy. Yeah. Oh, I almost gave it away. Oops. Oh, oh now oh, no one's going to no. watch this movie. No. Yep. No. By the way, no. the greatest thing about this movie was 83 minutes. That was the greatest yeah, thing it about was. it. But so Lemmy Clausmeister... He's got this awesome scepter with a snake curling around it. And you know the director was proud of it because it's prominent in a lot of scenes. They just zoom in on it. And he's like, did I read this wrong? He sits down in a throne. 
and then there's like a there's a sword yes. in a scabbard, and he turns it, and metal music starts playing. <laughs> yes, that's hysteria. Yeah, that's, that's one just... of the areas back in 87 that were like full suits of armor and you <laughs> turned the sword and then, you know, the hood would open and the heavy metal would come out. Hence, that's oh. how, like, that's why it's called heavy metal because it was from a suit of armor. Oh, wow. God damn, that is so literal. I didn't think metal, heavy metal, excuse me, was so literal. Yeah, we we didn't have a term for that for that music until this movie came out. Yeah, and oh, I nice. imagine the fingers are always lifting up and kind of fiddling around like at concerts when they really like the you know the, the fucking solo that they don't have no idea what's going on. So that gets Sam in the mood for a little purple nurple on Rose. Is that the the prostitute's name? Rose, Rosalie. I think it's Rosalie, but we can call her Rose. Rosalie. Yeah, it was like Rosalie, but for the sake of fucking notes, let's shorten that name. We so don't he's need doing eight. some titty twister action on her, and like, Lemmy's like, no. Get the, get the clamps. Yeah. And he's just squeezing her nipples with the clamps. Yeah, it wasn't even... Okay, of course Sam's gonna have a hard time. Sam, for as fat as fingers as Sam has... Very nimble with them. He got the nipple and no areola whatsoever. I was very impressed by that work. But, yeah, I, I thought he was doing a good job, but he was just holding it there because, because of course, it's uncomfortable. You're just squeezing some stranger's tits. So he goes and gets the clamps. Cut to the local tavern. <laughs> okay, this cut to was... I'm already like, what the fuck is this movie? And now we're with some strange characters. Well, wait, before that, like I said, I was pointing out, this guy's an auteur. We get a great scene where we see, like, a stuffed ferret. And it pulls away, and it's like, oh, my God. He's showing the ferret in reflection in a mirror, and then he pans to the the right, (laughs) and then we see the ferret. You notice that. Yeah. You picked up on that. (laughs) <laughs> you picked up on that. And then <sighs> Mr. McFeely, the the nosy mailman, shows up. Where the f- I want to know this guy's fucking story. How did this guy wind up in rural France? This guy from like Bruno Kirby looking <laughs> motherfucker from Brooklyn. Yeah, like, his name is Bernard. Uh, the Bernard, the neighborhood busybody mailman. I think he's the the. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's right up there with Ginty in terms of sleaziness. Oh, hundred percent. I, I hate this guy. Yeah, I hate this guy. Like he's terrible. I I did not like this guy right off the bat. He's sitting down. He's like, hey guys, let me tell you, lizard people. He's full on <laughs> conspiracy theory right off the bat, and he's still got the friends. So we're seeing the conspiracy theorists in the earliest stage when he's just starting to get interested in all the bullshit, and his mind's warping, and you know he's huffing the you know the lead paint or something. And he's sitting down, he's having some drinks, he's like, look, I saw some shit. What was the shit he saw in this scenario? Well, he's just like, hey, you hear this? You hear about all those women going missing? Yeah. And now we got, was this where he's like, there's this new professor in town? Yeah, he lives by the cemetery. <laughs> professor P- Roger Osborne, man. He's from California. Now he's here because he had to leave California because he was doing tests on women. I mean, it makes sense. If women are going missing, you would think the guy who had had to leave California. Yeah, and you have the one friend who eggs him on. Yeah, and some of those women in California died. Yep. So you got it right there. He might have just been humoring him, but of course Bernard is hearing exactly what he needs to hear. You're going along with me. You're going on this journey to this real world that's happening underneath the world. And he's like, get this. 
The guy's so secretive. His his like uh, <laughs> maid lady won't let me in the house. First of all, no shit. Who delivers fucking mail in the house? Yeah. Well. But then one time, one time, I had to deliver some big crates. You see, and then I went down there. There was fucking blood everywhere, and computers. There's all these com- and there's all these computers and screens and like it's just this, this guy is. What is he doing? Delivering the mail to your kitchen table? Like, like yeah, is that what he does? Like, like he, she doesn't let him inside to I deliver the mail. This guy's such a piece of shit, right? Um, you know that. he's you know he's opening everybody's mail. He's just checking out everything. And so he said, "Yeah, he's like I saw computers and there was blood on an operating table." Oh. And we just cut away from the the bar flies to Griff's favorite character in the movie, <laughs> young Matthew. Oh, boy. Wait, wait, hold on. can we at least say one more thing about the bar? Sure, real quick. I, I just want to rewind just a little bit. First of all, the music playing is like video game music. It's like boss level music and a piccolo <laughs> playing and a piccolo company. And and if you actually watch the movie again, which you will No, no, we won't. <laughs> the music that's playing in that bar is the same music that's playing in the paradise in the opening scene when they open the door. It's like it's the same music. It was a hot song in 1987. It was number 1 in Europe. Yeah. But, but what about the guy with the red turtleneck? He says the following, and I watched this movie. So he was asking Bernard, the male guy, was telling his story about the creepy, you know, like Dr. Osborne. And then the guy with the red turtleneck, he's like, obviously doesn't speak English. Yeah. Says, he says the following, and how some died, they said. Yes, yes. What, what is that? I actually did the turned on the subtitles to get it transcribed. I, all I know is God, they said. And then and then they're like, Yeah, totally. Like I love I do work. like that everybody at the table is like, Well shit, that's some real shit. Well you also gotta remember he knows nothing about prostitutes. He's been married for years. They also point that out. Oh, like, right. You probably oh. haven't been laid because you've been married forever. That's right. He's this been, was He's been faithful for 20 years to his wife. That's why the cult doesn't go after that. I, this, this whole group of friends makes no sense. Right. It's like you got, you got Brooklyn Bernard, a, like a woman, this weird guy with a turtleneck, and then some guy, some balding like guy with a perm. What was uh, it? Was a like lot. Charles Fleischer, <laughs> like he looks like Roger Rabbit's. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but he looks exactly like. If you look up Charles Fleischer, it's it's Bernard's friend Max, and Max comes back. So we gotta, we gotta. Max is important. I'm just so proud of you guys for finding these names. I was just right, redhead, bald guy. Like I knew, I didn't know any. I fucking any names in this yeah. movie. I'm not proud of this at all. It's, it, it's, you shouldn't be. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's so hard on the first watch to be like, do I need to know this guy's name? Do I need to know anything about him? Should I pay any close attention? And Bernard, this whole scene was one of these where it's like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Like, We're trying to put the suspicion on Dr. Osborne. 
I think you think he's the villain, at right? This time. And that yeah. makes sense. And clearly, Bernard has read uh, Bukowski's like mailman, you know, poetry and everything. And he's like, this Doreen lady should be taking me in, fucking me, giving me a sandwich, and I should be backhanding her and you know, fucking out of there. Give me some of that sangria, there, bitch. Yeah, give me some of that sangria. What did I come all the way out of here for? There was this be- pineapple in it. Ah, uh, do you even know about the Yanks? The on top of the world in '81 or '87. <laughs> yeah. He thought ahead. All right, now we meet, now we finally meet Griff's favorite character, okay. Matthew. Okay, I, okay. You watched this a few weeks ago, yeah, and you were like, "Oh my God, Griff!" When you see this character, <laughs> Matthew, just it's just Matthew. It's not Matthew, <laughs> but it's spelled with an I E U. I E U. Okay. Yeah. They pronounce it Matthew. That's all I know. Did they? Yeah. I thought they did try to give it a little bit of that extra or European. No. Oh, okay. Matteo, I thought, is what they were saying. It's Matthew. But he doesn't really speak any language. So Well, he speaks Spanish. He speaks halfway. He has a halfway accent. Yeah, he's got a halfway accent. So this Yeah, is... I got a feeling this actor's first language wasn't English either. He's probably I, the son of the guy from the I have bar. a feeling this was his first and only role. Because as they teach us in the... Uh, he fucking, well, you know, he's, he's got some Steve Buscemi vibes coming way off on him. Yeah. He's got that fucked up, parted down the middle oh, no, hair. He, yeah, I see what you mean about the Steve Buscemi hair. He's got yeah. horrible 90s hair in the 80s. <laughs> he's constantly flipping it. The camera guy He's wearing like a members only jacket, but it's all like a tattered haggard looking tattered. Yeah. 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 He he does look like a suave guy from like the mid nineties or something in an old navy commercial, but everything is tattered. Yeah. Then he's got that flippy hair. He looks like a guy you would find at a pavement show, for sure. And he's flipping his hair all over his place. He's already rough enough to deal with, but then the director has decided to get these very long shots of him like Lifting his chin up to the lens and going, <laughs> it's so rough to watch because yeah. as Tropic Thunder taught, taught us, you never go full halfway. Halfway, yeah. <laughs> and he's in the process of catching a cat and throwing it in a bag. Maybe this is a callback to the beginning. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's got to be. So, uh, the, the, of course, the, fav- the famous Dr. Seuss uh, book, Cat in a Sack. So he throws a cat in the sack. Yes, of course, Cat in the Sack. And then Which, of like... course, we've banned all Dr. Seuss books in America. Yeah. Because no child should be reading those. Oh, it's harmful. I mean, Dr. Seuss is right in there with George Soros. He's a globalist. Seos. Yeah, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it's the orangutan from Planet of the Apes, isn't it? It's also Dr. Seuss. Oh, same God. name, same guy. So now we're cut back. We're in the uh, police station. We're meeting Manfred, the pimp, from the beginning of the movie. His one of his ladies is missing. He even ha- he had the better mullet. Okay, so we've got dueling mullets in this movie. He had like the curly kind of mullet. It worked out a lot better for him. He had the Seinfeld mullet. He had know. the Seinfeld mullet, and you know what? It just worked better. And he's like, "Look, one of my hoes is missing," and they're like, "Well, first we got to fill out some paperwork. What's your job?" Um. Salesman, entrepreneur. Oh, he's a salesman. He's like, and then, then, then the the cop has this great one line. He's like, more like a renter or a leaser. Ooh, yeah, because he knows what's up. This guy sells women. Yeah, and they're like, maybe she ran away because you were seen slapping the shit out of her before she she went away. And they're like, and he's like, 
and he he had like a yellow what was he? He's like a yellow jacket. Yellow pants. Yellow yeah, pants. Bright yellow pants. They were okay. nice. They were all they were they were awesome. Rosalie really did a good job job ironing those pants. <laughs> you can't clean the house, but she's good at ironing those yellow pants, I'll tell you. But that character, just to be clear, because it's, it's an important character, Sergeant Police Sergeant Morton. 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 Yes, just wanted to make sure. Why are ev- is every sheriff called Mort? Because the murder she wrote episode we did had yeah. a sheriff named Mort too. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Maybe that's a, that's a, your name's Mort. That's your calling to be a sheriff. It's really, <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, "Don't leave town, pimp. We're on to you." Right. Yeah, the so cops. Now, the cops just don't care. They don't care about Rosalie. Right. She's a whore. They don't exactly. like her. Yeah, they, need, they need they need Satan the 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 uh, the, the anti Satan get all that they, they get the Satan out of her. They're on they're on the side of Ginty. I'm sorry, right. excuse me, the mystery red hooded person. Yeah, the mystery red hooded. I mean, they just they're going right along with our whole theory uh, across 200 plus episodes now that cops their hands are tied yeah. because they're just like, oh wow, someone in our small quaint little town is being harmed well shit that's just too bad i mean there's only a hundred people here but we just can't help her there's so much to do and they're literally just eating hot italian beef sandwiches they got them well, shit, the, the, over. the prostitutes making the property values go down so they want her gone to begin with oh that t- yeah 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 there goes the neighborhood the prostitutes are moving in right so now now we're gonna meet another couple we're not sure jesus christ this movie is in we're like at maybe the 20 minute mark and we've met four different groups that we have no idea about yeah we don't know if they're good they're bad whatever we get we see that we're in paris because we get a shot of the arc de triomphe and we see it's i just called it red and baldy was in my notes (laughs) well what was their names guys it's it's harvey and licia licia and licia Lisa Harvey is the ball guy. Yeah, Harvey's the the dirt ball ball guy. And they're just driving in one of those shitty little European cars. Yeah, it was like a little jeep. They had a nice little jeep there. And they're talking about the kidnapping. I get. We were at, I was led to believe they were like a, like from a newspaper or something. Yeah. So that's what they they. This makes no sense. This movie because I don't. I still don't know who they actually are. We'll get to that later, but yeah, when they go in to see Doctor Osborne, Chuck Connors, that's when they they're they're interviewing him like they're from a newspaper. But then Chuck catches them. Right, they're they're coming into town yeah. and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna get to the bottom of this real soon." So you just think they're investigative journalists and yeah, like some Scooby Doo mystery machine shit. Yeah, it would make sense in this situation because you got the you got outsiders coming into this little town and they're trying to figure out what's going on with all these fucking counts and countesses and missing prostitutes and right. And so we get another nice auteur shot. This guy loves reflections. Frank Drew White. Because we get a nice shot of the reflection of Chuck Connors' face. Just got to stop you there. It's Frank. Drew White. All right. (laughs) Just give the guy a little respect. And they start asking about his experiments. Because we learned from Bernard that he experimented on women Mm. in California. Right. You know why? Because Roe versus Wade got overturned. He was was an abortionist is what I'm trying to say. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh. And, uh... Chuck, like you said, he's like testing them. He's like, 
maybe you need to check the morgue. And they're like, what? Oh, of course, I mean the morgue where dead stories go from newspapers. Yeah, when you have to explain your joke, you know it was really good. Yeah. that's You see, I was watching some George Carlin videos earlier, and he would tell a joke, and then he would spend 10 minutes explaining it to the audience, and they would just be la- like clapping and laughing the whole time he explained it. And that's... Osborne just gave us a good joke. He's explaining right. it. They're laughing. They're clapping. This is good shit. It is good. So, uh... Uh, Alicia and Harvey, they're they're chastised. They scurry out, even though they they. Uh, Osborne, he's got their number. He knows what's up. Right, he's peering over them. He's like, I came all the way over here to do my experiments and quiet, and now I got the fucking, you know, tabloid journalist. I got TMZ over I here. I got fucking Mulder and Scully here. Yeah, Mulder and Scully over here. But don't worry, Murray. I got some fanfare for us. Because we just cut to that night, and we got fucking fireworks going off in front of this mansion. What the fuck is this cut? It proves my point that only half-wits and children like fireworks. I agree with this. Matt is loving it. Yes. I fucking hate fireworks. So we got our, our, our baby boy Matt, our half-wit, just staring through some bushes. <laughs> it's rough. Uh, and we're actually going to head inside. We just know that Matt's there creeping on this town. Right. And we, I guess the Count Silvano, played by Bo Svensson, is having a party for some reason. Well, you, when you're fucking that rich, you just have parties every once in a while. Right, and, and not only just parties, classy parties. Count Silvano is so classy, he wears red shoes <laughs> with his tuxedo. Like, like the Pope. Like the Pope. Yeah, right. the Pope does that. And he's got his manservants dressed like George Washington. His man, his manservants, and I shit you not, Stephen and James. Uh, we hear ya. Steve James. Nice job there, Frank. Drew White. So he's like, you know, greeting everybody. He's the host. He's got to do that. Right. And then he just looks out of the corner of his eye, and we just, we just feel this. Every, everybody puked. I mean, even Phil probably puked when uh, we get this reveal. This is this is Bonerville right here. <laughs> uh, so well, when please. I saw the scene, I was so excited. Oh, take us through it. <laughs> this is you when I knew. A... This is when. This is the moment I knew we would be talking about this right now. <laughs> was there across the dance floor magically whisking away the? Count. Is the same that song playing that was playing? Yeah, at like the, the bar. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're, they're they're totally jamming like his live orc, but it's more orchestral. Like it's in the, the orchestral version. It's more sweeping. They're everybody's dancing, having a good time. The crowd parts and magically, who appears holding the countess lovingly in his arms? Your man, my man, everybody's man, Robert Genty. Yeah, he he looked like like a Major. rodent or something. He was very disturbing. He looks at the camera like he looks. He was looking into your soul. Like this was this moment was made for you, because he knew one day you'd watch this movie and he would could see right through. But he actually looks up from this dance and stares right through you. Uh, Phil, can I be honest? Can I be honest with you? I yeah. I actually was possessed by Robert Gante. His spirit is in my body now from that scene. Yeah, thank you. I'm now possessed amazing. by Ginty. He's, it's it's a beautiful scene, and you think they're like together, but she's like 
is she is she did she get a roofie or something because she's so she's like laying on top of him like it's almost like she's hypnotized by ginty's awesomeness oh yeah she's totally not into him at all like i don't know I, this scene made no why sense. are they dancing but why are they dancing I, and lizia and harvey are why are they there because the count <laughs> the count actually greets them when they come in they're dancing too they're dancing with each other which looks really strange it's, i mean harvey is not harvey's are they, a weird looking guy are Dude. they crashing the party they just yeah, came but in no, the count talks to them the count actually greets them like he does he know them Okay, so I'm what I'm hearing here is uh, Golden Globus Theater needs to put their production staff to work because there is a lot of questions around this movie. I just can't get – I can't watch it a second time because of Robert Ginty. So we're going to edit a bag over his head for the whole movie, and we're going to do, like, the uh, voice modifier. So when he talks, it's – or something. That's how he sounds when he talks. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, I thought it was more like a piss. He's just oh. a mush mouth. How did this guy have a fu- well, Philip we pointed it out. He, pay, he paid for his own movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's, that oh. was a great Ginty impression. That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, he was the original Peanuts actor. He did all the adults and teachers. And so I I think Phil's right. I think she's been roofied, and he's taking her down Sell her to rape her or something. I mean, we've done multiple Ginty uh, features so far, and we know that his face has, like, some kind of weird hypnotizing effect where people are just like, please don't harm me. I'll go along with whatever you want. Just don't fucking cut my face up or something, you know? I uh, saw Last House on the Park on the left or whatever it's called. House on the I, edge of the park. Yeah, I don't want that to happen to me. So I'll just go along with it. We'll forget about this. You have the most forgettable face of all time. You're grotesque. You're insufferable. Let's get it over with. Let's get it over with. Have your kicks. I'm going to go. So he takes her down to this, like, downstairs. And yeah. he's like, but come away with me. <laughs> and she's like, no. And, like, and that... And he's like, ah, you're my love. And as she's saying that, Count Silvano with his red shoes is up at the top of the stairs. And he's like, hey, get away from my, my wife, the Countess. And he's like, she's in love with me. He's like Quasimodo looking and shit. Yeah. Uh, this is where we get to see somebody prove that uh, Ginty is the just weakest human being ever. <laughs> Because he lightly shoves him, and he does like a like forty five foot pratfall type situation into a chair, into a chair, and he's told, "Yeah, you're not welcome here. I'm gonna get Stephen, James, come hither," and they come down. And he's like, "Get this fucking asshole out of here! Time to take out the trash. Make him walk." And and didn't that just? But didn't that? That wasn't that so satisfying to you to watch Ginty just get dominated by Bo Svensson? Like Bo Svensson's like a big guy. Yeah, big, and he just like lorded over him and just made him feel like a total piece of shit. I it didn't. Was, that was beautiful. Yeah, you're you're dead on. That was good to see somebody handle Ginty in a dominating way. But then I start to question my own self. It's like, do I want to see Robert Ginty get handled by somebody bigger than him? So I, I couldn't go down that black hole. Again, this is why I watched the movie once. I'm a little scared talking about it even because I'm like... Well, it's a horror movie. You should be scared. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I did 
I did not like Bo Svensson in a tuxedo or a suit, whatever he's wearing here. I loved him in his 80s sportswear later in the movie. Yes. That was oh, good. That shit. jacket is amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's like a Coleman tent. <laughs> it's like you could actually – it has like the rain guard in the sleeve. It did. It looks exactly like a Coleman tent. Like it, and also you all you have to do is unfold it. It becomes a tent. I oh, love it. Beautiful. It was so good. So we get this nice. We get the nice shot of Gadra, Gondrad, Gonorrhea, whatever the fuck Gon, Ginty's called. Ginty does the move like get off of me. I walk my cell phone. And, what's that? Gondrand. His name is Gondrand. Gondrand. Nobody knows what Gondrand. Do you guys know what Gondrand? Like, what? No. I actually looked it up. Yeah. Of course Gondrand. you would. You're an Yeah. Gondrand <laughs> is a logistics company. I know this is boring. We're killing, but it's a logistics company. But apparently in Ethiopia in 1936, there was like Italians that worked for the Gondrand Corporation were attacked by the natives, and, and that the fascists used that massacre. To invade Ethiopia, so like the Ooh. the Mussolini's, yeah. And so Gondran is like something. Gondran means something. Gondran is, in a way, like Mussolini. <laughs> so he scurries out, and we see he's like he's like the he's fireworks. dodging the fireworks. Yeah, and he's like, he's like really disturbing. He's like, Ugh. yeah. Like, I mean, I don't he gets hit in the eye with the firecracker. Yeah. Like, there's sparks. And lay it sounds like lasers, like the noise it's making, and the whole, like the whole, everybody's outside watching him leave, and they're like looking at him, like get the fuck out of our party, you piece. It's like those parties that you used to go to, like you weren't invited, and then they kicked you out. Like everybody's on the porch, like just throwing fireworks at Ginty. It, it's a, it's an awesome. Yeah, okay. even even Matt is throwing yeah, shit. At yeah. Him. yeah. <laughs> Halfwit over here. That's what he sounded like. I'm sorry. No, it's, no, it's okay. We're using scientific terms. Halfwit over. Now, here. okay. Th- and now the next scene. This is where like we're getting another swerve because we see Count Silvano looking very like suspicious. Right. We're assuming the party has concluded. Right. He has gone upstairs because he just had to pry Gondrad off his wife. So you know he he had some very frustrating sex with her that night, and he's like, I gotta go for a walk. I got to go down to my secret chamber. You got to go to my man cave. Right, where he keeps Harry Potter. <laughs> so he goes to the door, and he looks left. He looks right. Puts the key in. Opens. So we're all like, okay, he's the guy in charge of the sex, anti-Satanist sex cult. Right, yeah. Because the next scene, we see uh, uh, Lemmy Clausmeister again. Like, we don't fi- follow him into the door. No, not at all. We just hear him click open, turn the knob, and then suddenly we're back in the sex cauldron. I yeah. mean, the sex dungeon. And Lemmy, he's reading from a gigantic book called The Ancestral Book of Perennial Truth. Mm. And this is where we learn that they're torturing, Griff Wright wrote, torturing for Satan. I'm like, no, they're torturing Satan out of people. I mean, that's just doing God's work. Right. Joshua well, hey, we- man, the Joshua Inquisition West- did the exact same thing. So. Joshua Westman would be so proud of them. Hey, man, if this movie should have taken place in Spain because they're like the Inquisition. They're torturing Satan out of people. Okay. And he, he, he like, lays out all the truth about – he lays out all the perennial truth. The perennial, incestual truth. Yeah, so, well, that's 
Gondrin does the incestual. Yeah. Oh, he, he, he does say that. He says anyway. Like I wrote in my notes. I actually wrote it down. What he says. He's reading from the ancestral book of the Almighty and Noble Clan. Whoever shall you shall be from now until Tuesday. What the fuck does that mean? Now until Tuesday. Till Tuesday. Till, and then Voices I'm like, scary. Voices yes, scary. Like Amy Man ripped them off. Right. That's where until Tuesday came from. Is is from Maniac Killer. Yeah. Shit. Well, influential as shit. And like I said, the Frank White was very proud of this snake scepter because he just always right in the forefront. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he bejeweled the snake. He painted it gold. He put it on a scepter. I got to give him credit. I like this prop. It's great light up. Yeah, the, the, eye, the actual eye, the actual jewels in the snake's eye—it's pretty cool. I wish I kind of want to find that. I bet it's, I, I bet it's been on uh, Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then El Duce from the Mentors just pops up. Another great cameo. And he's like, and he just starts—he rips this woman's shirt open, and I gotta admit, she had great breasts. And then he ruins them by like putting a hot poker on him yeah this is rough but who is this woman who cares she's oh, yeah, like creature. let's be that... clear it's not rosalie no this is yeah. a woman who has a great pair of breasts that's what she was there she's for more attractive than rosalie all right you're so, right i agree so we're going from some wonderful breasts apparently we all agree they were great breasts it was sad you... to see him be tortured <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the horror of this movie is seeing great breast be tortured yeah. and now we're going to check in on Matt who is catching a rabbit was this rabbit like a roofied because he like l- like lunges on this fucking rabbit and it does nothing it's just like yeah whatever whatever I've accepted it's my like life night, it's, this rabbit is the size of a like a great dane <laughs> it's like night of the lepus this, this rabbit is gigantic it's so big I've never seen a rabbit that big uh, yeah I didn't realize how big it was until I noticed that uh, Matt is carrying like a sack big enough to keep a human in he puts the rabbit in it, and you could see the rabbit pushing on all parts of the sack. So, yeah, this fucking thing was enormous. And just so happens while he's doing that, Countess Silvano's riding by on her horse. And she's like, you fucking poacher, get the fuck off my land. That's and, my rabbit. Right. Starts fucking whipping him with her riding crop. And she's like, don't you know where you Wait. fucking homeless poor people belong? What's up, Phil? Why, but why is Countess Silvano wearing a wig? When she's riding, like, did you know that was like the first time I watched this movie? Then they had this woman riding on a horse. I had no idea who it was because she's wearing a wig. Well, that will be that will be important later on. But why but is everyone? She, she because everybody knows the countess rides with a wig. And that <laughs> comes into play later on to be kidnapped. Like she was like. <laughs> It's like part of her uniform, her riding uniform is a, yeah. a, a, a wig on her this, head. This clip, maybe because, like, maybe the Count wanted to wear a helmet. She's like, I'm not fucking my hair up. So they compromise yeah. by putting a wig on a helmet. I want to go ahead and point out, we're talking about inspirations. Amy Mann was inspired by this movie. Uh, Flight of the Concords did a bit about uh, Brett making a helmet with his hair on it. So clearly they were giving tribute to this movie as well. Who knew how so who the fuck knew is. this goddamn movie, and who knows what they saw, Mania Killer or Maniac Killer, but they saw it, and they were inspired. 
she's mean she like beats the shit out of matthew oh. like and she calls him a moron so she does she is not very politically sensitive i i don't i, I don't feel anything for her but scorn 100% agree with that right there. She's ve- like She's if we him. if we were in the battleground of Twitter, I'd fucking tear this woman apart. I'd be throwing her to the wolves. I'd be watching it and enjoying it. Ceaseless feast of Scheidenfreude for Griff. Um but yeah, no, she's enjoying it. And this also plays into my whole thing where clearly Count Silvanair Slappy, what's his name? Silvano. Silvano. Clearly Captain Lou Silvano. <laughs> Captain Lou Silvano. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Uh, Captain Lou Silvano. <laughs> Hanging off his face. <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> like Bo Svensson with some rubber bands on his face. Clearly. He's got a Coleman pen, his rubber bands. Clearly, why is, he, why is he a Silvano? Like, he's like the most white person on earth. Like, he's so Nordic, and he's in France on top of that. Why is he have an Italian name? This is his vacation home. <laughs> okay, he just comes into this little town, uh, you know, for the summer months and everything, you know, because oh, the, the, the jams. The jams and uh, the what are other the figs are so good. You got to come down to France. The jams and the figs. <laughs> but clearly, this is showing off to me that she's into that rough shit. She's into the whipping. She's into the. So I'm like, this plays into the sex dungeon. So clearly, it's the count and the countess oh, of who course, are, yeah. are capturing prostitutes, and the two of them are having their fun together. And of course, let me kill Meister. <laughs> Lemmy Clausmeister. He looks like Santa Claus meets Lemmy. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, he scurries off to the only guy who shows any pity for poor Matthew, Professor Osborne. And he also, by the way, is collecting these animals because we'll learn later, Professor Osborne has a great plan to cure death. Yeah. We'll learn about that later. Oh, yeah. So he's, and he's, he's welcome with open arms. Right. Matthew, welcome back. Oh, it's so good to see you here. We got to get you some new clothes. You look like an idiot. Uh, what did you bring me today? And he seems concerned about the animals, but Osborne assures him, well, I could be killing humans right now. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew Wim, not. Wim, women, didn't you say that? That's what Bernard said, the postman. Yeah. Women. Women. Okay. women. But, women. And we know women are people, so excuse me, everybody. The half-wit somehow speaks for the audience. So he's like, he pats Matthew on the head. Did a great job, Matthew. How about you play with my six PCs here? Yeah, he just leaves Matthew. He says, would you like a cup of coffee, Matthew? And he's like, oh. And then he sits at the computer, and guys, I'm just going to pipe in some of this because it's probably. Be careful. <laughs> it's probably the greatest cinema of all time. I mean, I can't think of anything that's more impactful than, well, shit. Again, I talked about it before. This clearly inspired Tropic Thunder. Hey, you try it. Hey, right, now, B. 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 Good. Now watch. C. C. All right, now. 
So that isn't complicated at all. That's that's just clean, good storytelling. Yeah, and and Osborne, he, I just, I love dialogue, scientific dialogue that's written by stupid people because <laughs> the dialogue we, poor Chuck Connors had to read. Let me just say, we've read a lot of comics yeah. full of bad science. Yeah, but yeah, here we go, Matthew. I need these animals so I can scientifically analyze their blood with computers to cure death. So don't worry. Yes, I am cutting these animals up alive. I am vivisecting them. <laughs> but like Griff said, they could have been women. So I've learned my lesson. But we're going to cure death, Matthew, by analyzing the blood with these 20 computers stacked on top of each other. Oh, my God. And... He- We've learned that we we already know Matthew is is a is a halfwit, not a dimwit, a halfwit. A halfwit. Excuse excuse us for saying dimwit. Right. Halfwit is a scientific term. Right. And then we, but we also meet Doreen. Yes, yeah. the, the housekeeper. That it becomes very important that Bernard, the the dirtball mailman, had mentioned. We meet yes. her, and then she yeah she's she's there yeah. listening. She like, had, what, is, what is her role? Like, is she Matthew's mother or something? Like, what her she... role is first of all to keep Bernard out of the house. <laughs> she, she's got his number right off the bat. She's like, right. Don't trust this guy. No, she's just she's very protective of uh, Professor Osborne, and yeah. she's also very nosy because she's always eavesdropping on conversations. <laughs> but yeah, she's just like she's like the Mrs. Garrett of the uh, Osborne Manor or whatever, right? What was up with like Osborne's place? You notice there's like sunflowers in the windows, yes, stained glass sunflowers. Very tacky. It was fi- very not very as classy as Gonorrhea's uh, living room <laughs> later on. Well, God, I can't wait till we get to Conrad's <laughs> living room. So Matthew, just like every kid, he just wants to play with his Nintendo. He's like, "Give me the fucking you know." Yeah, this kid sits down at a computer and he has more confidence. Sorry, Tim. Then Tim Murray at the computer. He sits there. He's firing. He's owning the libs on Twitter. I was like, what the fuck? He's animating stuff? I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I haven't seen that since Young Warriors. A gifted animator who's also troubled, like a little Matthew is. This was incredible. And he does all this. He writes himself a program to sound out letters and slowly like thrust the letters into the screen so they go from a tiny print to a large print that covers the whole screen it's like oh <laughs> that one but <laughs> we know zero <laughs> I mean that is a chant though like we know that uh, the, the the viking berserkers yeah. used to do that yeah, and, and, the, and the Minnesota Vikings fans. Oh. And while this is happening, poor Chuck Connors has to somehow make sense of this mess we're watching. <laughs> and he's talking to Doreen in the background. Right. And he's like, okay. I don't even know. Why do they explain it? It's like he can't. Matthew that. cannot speak to people, <laughs> but he can speak to computers. I love this because you said it. You already said it. <laughs> Dumb people trying to explain science. This is what I miss in all movies today. I miss this logic leap of we didn't even try to read this. We're just assuming this is true. And we are going to have our authoritative, our authoritative scientists tell us about it. 
And so he's sitting Doreen down. He's grabbing her by the face. Osborne cannot deliver a scientific point without grabbing somebody by the face. If you notice that, like a thespian with that skull, you know, on stage where they talk into it, he has to grab somebody by the face and tell them about science. And so he's explaining, you see, he's free of the pressures of talking to another human being. When he talks to the machine, he's simpatico with it. He is one. He is Neo. Yeah, the, the machines have isolated dictums, which is exactly what he said. <laughs> and he understands the isolated dictums. <laughs> That's important. That's important to the whole plot of the movie. So in, infants, infants can do, you know, they can actually make words make sense. He only understands humans through gestures because he feels inferior, but the computer he feels comfortable with because of the isolated dictums. And he, so I'm, I think I just want everybody to know that because that comes into play later. Interesting. Or, or not, or not. <laughs> I couldn't see. I'm just impressed that you were able to. Maybe it was the close captioning. You were able to follow the scientist yeah. Osborne's logic because I was having a hard time. I was just imagining he was grabbing my face, explaining the things I want to know about. He says that he can, if he can just teach him to place his tongue in the right way, Matthew could be cured. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, that, he I says felt, that. I also hated that he was. I felt he was dressed more like a dentist than a doctor <laughs> well, I, that, a dentist is a doctor girl i mean no i'm not trying to say they're not doctors yeah. it's just like he's supposed to be the super high sophisticated scientist who's gonna figure analyzing out. blood with computers <laughs> he, i mean in 81 or 87 Curing death not a lot of people were an, like like doctors on their own were analyzing blood with computers he's writing his own programs i mean come on Right. This is a pioneer of software. He's, he's and, doing that like on an Amiga. I just okay. There's a whole culture of people who say rape my setup, and if they're talking about like computer systems and desks and everything. This motherfucker has towers stacked on towers, stacked on towers, stacked on towers. One monitor, six keyboards laid out. Amazing. I'm sorry. It was amazing. You want me to get you some pictures of that for for sure for the Twitter because that was easily my favorite. I'll get you a little video of uh, Matthew reading through. And Beth, Matthew does a little uh, foreshadowing by going bad <laughs> man. Oh no, he teaches oh, him that. He yeah. teaches. So Chuck Connors, that's coming up. I don't. I don't want to get it. Like, that's the That's like yeah. the next scene. It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you're right. You're, you're, you're just getting excited. I know you are because I'm getting excited. <laughs> I too. Love, the I love computer, the computer right. is so awesome. That, that part of the computer, no one was doing anything like that at the time. They were ahead of their time. Well, yeah, he's a, he's a genius. So he's learn he's learning his ABCs, his one two threes, and he's learning what a bad man is. Yes. And then Osborne leaves Matthew to study, and we get a zoom in on Chuck Connors' face, a very serious look. He, lo- he looks very worried about something. Right. And what was he worried about, though? I don't – well, I think, I think they're trying to make <laughs> us think that he's uh, – because we don't know who is in charge of this sex cult, anti-Satanist sex cult. Yes. So they're, now they're throwing some shade onto Osborne. Because we think is – it, is, it, is it gonorrhea? 
is it Count Silvano, Captain Lou Silvano? Is it Bernard or and his it, bar buddies? Or is it Bernard? We don't know. Yeah, I right. guess that's the red guy. Or yeah, right. I guess that's why they threw so many characters into this without really telling us what any of them were, where any of them were. Because it's like any of these people could be leading a sex cult. It's a total mystery. But speaking of somebody who could be leading a sex cult, Alicia and Harvey show up at the Eiffel Tower. I guess they're sightseeing while they're there. Uh, Okay, so what this scene is about to imply, and I'm going to go ahead and just push us forward here, because they arrive at the Eiffel Tower. Tower? They don't even pay attention to it. it yeah. And then Lisa walk Alicia walks towards the camera and suddenly we're in the sex dungeon. <laughs> so let's go ahead and think about what just happened here. We're supposed to be in some quaint little town far from the world, but she went to the Eiffel Tower, got out of the car, walked When you go to Paris you gotta go to the Eiffel Tower. Right. Yeah. No, that makes yeah. sense. But then she walks 10 feet, and suddenly she is in the sex dungeon. That is Frank Duright. That's bad directing. You have just implied that, no, we're not in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of fucking Paris, France. That was the implication. That's what I saw. Okay. But not only is she in the sex dungeon, she's got her own little hooded cowl type thing going on. She's involved? This beautiful red-headed woman, she, she, there's no way she's an anti-Satanist. Yes, girl, she is. Oh my god! And she's, and I, I think does uh, is I, at some time, at some point in the movie, Lemmy Clausmeister just disappears. He does. Does he? He's, he's in the scene, right? He I, answered the scepter. The snake. Well, he scepter. becomes Ginty, or I'm sorry, he becomes <laughs> Mister. I keep ruining the the secret. God damn it! <laughs> sorry, but. But the whole time, the guy, then they don't show the red face or the red hooded guy. That's not, that's not the mutton chop guy. That's somebody okay. else, a secret person. But he hands, a, he hands a scepter off to her. Yeah. And then that heavy metal music starts blaring again. We know what happens when the metal starts blaring. Yeah, she gets a scepter. She turns to the fucking guy. This is probably the guy who also controls the strobe light for Malachi Black. And she gives him the nod, and he hits that fucking music. And there's the suit of armor. Music starts blaring out. Bass in the back, fucking treble in the front. And great time ensues. And then she's like, I got to read from... I, I need you to read some words back to me. Wait, this did is... she pull out a whip? Yeah, that comes after. Oh, that God. comes after? Okay. That comes after the other one pops. So I don't want to ruin the flow. But there's it, another hooded person that just pops into frame. Yeah, Baldo <laughs> just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, like it looks like he's like, like he's like Matthew, he looks like Matthew. Obviously, he's like bad man. Yeah, yeah Har- Harvey just like pops out of nowhere and says, "If you want to live, you must confess." <laughs> <sighs> Repeat after me: I am a whore. I am possessed I am by Satan. <laughs> It, uh, this is that. Rose, right? Did we? Yeah, Rob, Rose, yeah, Rose is the one still chained up. Yeah, so they got rid of Good Tits yeah. is gone. They good Tits is gone. That, that is a that's, yeah. that happened fifty years ago with the mutton chop guy. I, I will we'll debate yeah. this later. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> the, the, we're closing this book and locking it up. We're closing the ancestral right. book of perennial truth. Yep, we're sending it down to the south oh, where they God. will burn it. All right. Fair enough. 
So uh, Alicia starts whipping her. She's not learning her lesson. She's a bad. She's a bad girl. Thank you, Matthew. And then they're like, they're gonna burn her next. I think that she'll learn when they burn her. Hey guys, what's what's up? Bernard and his guys been up to? Well, we find out next. Oh my god, that's right. No, no, we it... don't. We find out. We Manfred's the pimp. We find his guys are. Oh, it was. Out. It was it, I couldn't tell them apart. I hate <laughs> all the fucking nobodies in this movie. I couldn't what? tell them apart. Why did Why did he get a full name? I hate that about movies when they give a guy who has like no role, like a like an actual name. Like his name is Manfred Gray. Hmm. He's he's not important, but he has more of a name than like anybody else in this entire movie. I, he's not think, important. Do you think Manfred Gray is a werewolf? I might have to ask like Hanthropus Chris about this. He sounds like that a sounds Harry like a, Potter character, Manfred Gray. It sounds like a werewolf to me. It sounds like a human werewolf name. Hmm. I don't know. That's all I know is his goons because he's a pimp's needs goons too. Everybody needs. Look, I've watched Twin Peaks. That guy had goons. Okay. Okay. They finally find that purse of Rosalie. Yeah. They take it to Manfred, and he's like, "All right, we know where she is now." I don't know what the fuck. He's just like, "They got clues, at least." I don't. He's like, "Well, fuck something. Some shit's up. So now we gotta get our guys together and figure this out because that's money. I mean, that's merchandise stolen." And then they give a name to the other guy, Pascal. They're like. Get Pascal and the boys together by 8 a.m. Like, this guy, Pascal, has no role. Like, there's no point in even naming this character. And then he says, well-armed, of course. So, honestly, guys, like, when you guys said, hey, what Ginty movie should we do? This, like, what's coming up? I was like, oh, it's action. This is an action movie. Because I don't know if it's a horror movie anymore. I think it might be an action movie. (laughs) Pascal and the boys... They're packing heat. Like, they're ready to fight. Like, it's, right. it's pretty action-packed. Because when you think about it, nobody's killed in a maniacal way in this movie. Because nope. none of the women are no killed, as far as we know. No, there is zero. Okay, well, we're, half, we're, we're, we're about halfway through. Let, this is a good time to point out, there is no maniac killer in Mania or Maniac Killer. Yeah. Like, the only killing that happens that we're about to get up on, and you're going to have to wait and find out where it happens, but... All we know is that we got our pimp. He's like, guys, let's get our pink pimp guns together. We're bad guys, and we can get guns because that's the thing about gun laws. You can't stop a bad guy from getting a gun. We'll get our guns. And they got their guns. Yes. Yes. Now we, we cut back to <laughs> Professor Osborne. He's returning home. Matt, I need something else. Very ominous. We, this, this is leave it at that. I need something else from you. Right. But again, but again, like Matthew is like, like coveting the bowl of sangria. Again, this sangria is like a character in this movie. Like it's, it's like it's, it's name is it's, Pascal. It's in there like five, six times. But Matthew's like l- amazed at the pineapple and the sangria. Yeah, it's like they see some kind of truth in it because yeah. I mean we do scan over it a lot of times, and I did you know pause the movie and weep a little bit when this you know, the sangria was in front and center so there's some kind of truce that this thing sees like a mirror i don't know yeah. what it is it's maybe like chuck Connor's this... talking to a trash can yeah yeah trash can. it's a reflection right. exactly so there's kind of like a reflection on society yeah exactly yeah. Weird. 
All right, Lisi and Harvey, now we know they're anti-Satanists, but who are they really working for? I don't know, but they're, now they want to talk with uh, Gondrand, Ginty. So they're in his waiting room, admiring his fine whip and riot gun, as Harvey calls it. It's just a shotgun. Oh. He calls it a riot gun. Well, he murders the fuck out of people with riot guns, so clearly it's a real riot gun. And a Gondran comes out and greets them and pushes, like, there's a nice scene where, like, nice riot gun, and he, like, pushes the barrel away from his face. Like, yeah. Yeah, Harvey was pointing it right. He, he of course, is a fine Second Amendment-loving human being. But, yeah, he does point that gun right in. And he's like, face. let's take this to my kiss room, shall we? Mm. And I'm thinking they're about to fuck right there. No. But, Murray, you're you're just playing with words here, aren't you? I am playing with words because it's the kiss pinball room. <laughs> yes. As every man of, of elegance and style has. We all know that. You, you, the first thing you need is a kiss pinball machine. Right. That just, that, that just tells a woman right there you're a man of style. Right. So, Ginty... Gondrad, being the highfalutin he is, he sits them down. He's flipping his mullet all over the place, and he's just like, "Would you like some of the finest scotch from the Highlander days?" Yeah, you had to behead the bottle in order to bottle it itself, and then you had to cork it with uh, the head of your enemy. That's how you make Highlander can scotch. I, can I say something about the kiss pinball? Please. Machine? So. <clears throat> The irony, or the coincidence, perhaps, is that the last pinball machine I ever played on is the Kiss <laughs> pinball machine, and that was only like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and you it's think a, it was it, the one from the movie? It it may have been, but it was in it was in Gatlinburg. <laughs> it was like a pinball like place where it was only pinball machines. That's all you could do in there. Oh, that's cool. And I played. The hell out of the Kiss Pinball Machine. So I didn't even know about Maniac Killer. Mania K- Killer. And I played <laughs> I played the shit out. It's the best pinball machine. I gotta give this movie credit because it deserves it because it's the classiest pinball machine. Strutter's playing. You're you're feeling good. Wait. It's a great movie. Or it's a I'll... great pinball machine. Are we learning that you're like a pinball wizard? Is I that love pinball? That's that's why I didn't finish college because I was playing pinball the whole time. Awesome. <laughs> Lethal Weapon Two pinball machine <laughs> ruined my college career. <laughs> that's amazing. I don't get. I don't get. How, what is the skill of pinball? Is it just knowing when Cradle to it. flip? No, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> Please. No, I, I am a complete ignoramus about pinball. Oh, I grew oh up God, in the you... NES age. Oh, man. Pinball is it's, it's, it's ta- it's, uh, tactile. <laughs> it's, you can feel it. You can feel the machine inside of you. It's amazing. You don't tilt it. You don't want to tilt. All right. Well, yeah. maybe we'll have to do a whole episode about <laughs> pinball. Because I am legitimately, like, I don't get pinball machines. I don't get how people are good at them because when yeah, I look you ever, have at you it, played pinball? Yeah, I have. Yeah. But all I see, the only interaction you get is the flip. Yeah. Oh. And it's like, how do you oh. read the table? I want to know all the intricacies, but yes, we can't do this in this you episode. Have, well, you have not lived until you've cradled a ball. All right. Well, I need I need to make a trip to the old Camden Yards, and I'm getting you're gonna take me to pinball, and you're gonna explain it all. I will. We got this. All right. We got to go back to the. This is a great scene, by the way, when he's in this like hoarder cluttered 
like live he calls it the living room but i call it gondrad's playroom yeah i mean do you want to explain more about it? we got the pinball well you got and we also missed we we also missed that we introduced a character i think you guys called him mattingly yeah his name is major his name is actually major domo oh yeah that's right his name was major Major Domo. domo major domo yeah and he's an old guy he's kind of jacked he looks kind of like Sven Thoris Svensson. Sven Oli Thorson? Yeah, he takes care of business to this movie. He's, he's, pretty, he's wearing a vest. He looks pretty good. He's pretty he fucks fun. Manfred up. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's he is the one that introduces uh, Gondrad to Lisa and Harvey. So he's in this thing. Now, so they're now in there, and they're drinking. Ginty, Gondrad, is drinking and he explains to Harvey and Lysia that he wants Countess Silvano. And he rambles on about, like, destiny and some other bullshit, like, about how great he is and all this stuff. And they keep zooming in. And then he, he he's, like, sniffing the drink. Of course. That's what the classy yeah. person yeah. does. It's Highlander then, Scotch. Yeah. yeah, it's Highlander Scotch. He, like, and then he orders them to leave, and he's there by himself. And this is might be my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll let you guys take it from there. But it's it just, it's so amazing. He just like has these flashbacks of of those fence and Count Count Silvana like making him you know think about how inferior he is and what a micro penis he has. All this stuff, and he's just sitting there seething. And then something magical happens. Well, he, they zoom in on a hand. His hand is claw like hand holding the fakest looking candy glass glass. Like like. I don't think I think he had like a giant snifter glass first, and now it's just like a tumbler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his hand just crushes that candy glass. Yeah, it would have been a highball glass before, and then it turned into a tumbler. It went from like a tall, skinny glass to being a short, stout glass. And his hands all covered in blood. Unlike the greatest president of all time, who had giant hands. Robert Kinty has tiny hands. Of course he has tiny hands. That's why he can't operate the kiss table, because I imagine hands come into play somehow. Yeah. It's not about... I knew it. I knew it. I got yeah, two small all hands. about big hands. Yeah, I don't have Chippendale hands. I have poor old Griff hands. <laughs> Crushes the glass. We see blood. Professor Osborne's probably going to analyze it later on. All right, now Manfred and his pimp posse have arrived, and they're ready to get Rosalie back. She's a she's a good earner. They gotta right. get her back. They have somehow traced her to uh, the, the Gondrad estate. The purse by the purse. They're just like, up oh, the purse is here. That means they're at Gondrad's place. <laughs> I don't I don't know how A led to B. That's all I'm hey, saying. Gondrad's a he's he has an exterior doorbell like the doorbell is like it's not just oh it's not just an exterior doorbell it is literally 50 feet away from his estate and it's a giant liberty bell and there's nine different cranks to operate it you have to know how to fucking milk a cow to operate his doorbell it's it's i love that doorbell it's like you have to hear it like you, it's not like it's connected to anything. It's just and it plays. But but it's funny that Manfred Gray shows up with this posse, the pimp posse, as you accurately say, with all these weapons, and then he's ringing the doorbell like, like, hey, oh, hello. Be polite, come on, you know? you know. 
And the and the the doorbell it plays rock and roll and night party every day. It goes down 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 down. I like it. So Major Domo answers it, and he's just like, "Oh my god, these losers!" Fucking beats pummels the shit out of Manfred. Manfred tries to get all hard on him. He's like, "Motherfucker, I'm a mate. I'm not a minor Domo. I'm a major Domo." And he just fucks uh fucks uh Manfred up. Yeah, poor old Manfred. You, uh, uh, wait, Manfred gets fucked up or Manningly? Manfred gets fucked up by Manningly. He did? Yeah, he punches him in the gut. And then uh, Harvey, he runs to like the junk drawer where they keep the shotgun shells. It's literally like a junk drawer. He opens yeah. up and just paws okay. at him. Okay, okay, okay. I just remembered something. You jogged my memory here. When Harvey and Liza like meet Gondrad at his house for the first time, they enter through the second floor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they enter <laughs> into this room, and then Gondrad is in the office that's right in there as well. And now when we're entering everything, we see that that is not, that's the second floor, and they're entering on the ground level. This house makes no sense. They're doing some Stanley Kubrick level of this room does not really exist. And again, this movie needs more uh, more of our insight, but I can't do it. I can't watch this movie. It's like again. an Escher drawing. Like, <laughs> there we go. It's like this this thing is huge. This estate, and there's like there's literally like only about eight hundred square feet of this entire estate. Yes, it's a huge building, yeah. but all the rooms are tiny. Like that living room is tiny as fuck. Yeah, I hundred percent an open concept at all. No one would buy that. Yeah. There's it's no a, kitchen and living room. It's okay. right. It's like a twenty-five thousand square foot, but there's a thousand rooms that are all like ten by ten, right. just full of shit, clustered up like quail. It's like a modern day McMansion. They all have these like tiny fucking God, like, million I, tiny. Let's rooms. not go there. there. There's a big old establishment of McMansions going right next door. So. uh Harvey gets the shotgun shell. He's pawing at him, going through the junk drawer, grabs him, loads up. Uh, Man- Manfred finally gets the drop on uh, on, on Mattingly, and like I think he like hits him in the gut with a shotgun or something. Yeah, and uh, Harvey's like, "Uh-uh, you ain't gonna do that." So he opens up the window and just starts shooting everybody. Yeah, and the, the, the surprising thing about this movie is that if a guy has an advantage with a gun. He wins. Yes. Like, you see that in so many other movies where our heroes, you know, get led into a trap or something. A guy has a clear shot and misses nine times. No, nobody misses in this movie. Well, he does miss one guy, but he makes up for it by pulling out a grenade. He throws a grenade at the last uh, pimp posse guy and blows him up. Oh, I like that. So they round up all the bodies, and they carry them to the sex dungeon. Rosalie's still chained up on the altar. And they're like, hey, fuck, we're down here. Why don't we whip her a little more? <laughs> so they start whipping her again. While that's going on outside, the Countess happens to see Matthew stealing another fucking animal. for, Or he's carrying a sack. She thinks. She just assumes. Right. I don't know if she actually caught him. I thought she did catch him stealing another animal and seized the sack. And she's like, fuck, I got to chase after this kid. Gets to a point where the horse, you know, the trees are too uh, uh, close together. She can't bring the horse. So she's like, I'm going to get out, get off the horse and chase him on foot. 
She gets over the hill, realizes he got gets away, so she's like, fuck, I guess I'll go back to my horse. And just as she's about to get on that horse, there's cue ball there to say, nah. Yeah, and Harvey grabs her, throws her in uh, the back of his... There's an awful little scuffle here. The camera is just, like, going in and out of that. It's weird. Uh, he folds her up like a little baby, like she's gonna, he's going to put her in luggage or something, and then tosses her into the back of the Jeep. Matt watching the whole time, cackling. Oi, B, C. And then she leaves behind. What does she leave behind? Her six-foot-long right golden the riding crop. Riding, riding crop, which she whips the shit out of that horse. So she's, she's, and, she's definitely evil. Yeah, and Kelsey Vano knows she never was anywhere without yeah. her riding crop. Horse and humans alike. She loves whipping. That's her thing. That's her kink. And well, we horse and half-wits. We don't know about other oh, humans. Okay. Yeah. Well, well. Doug, uh, we know that Professor Osborne corrects that later. That Matthew is a human being. Scientifically. So we're told. Scientific. Yeah. He he did the DNA test. He is. Yes. And he got Maury Shapovich on the case. You Maury are. Maury Shapovich? What fuck? was that guy's name? Maury Povich. Maury Povich. He got Maury. He got Maury. not the father of Matthew. You are not the father, but. <laughs> they have Matthew's face up on the screen, and they yes. have like Doreen and, and Chuck Connors. Everybody like, in the he top is not the top. father of Matthew. He probably is the heir to the count. Oh, that's, would that make him a duke? The twist. Uh, I think. I think that is the twist here: is that he's the duke. duke of whatever town is this? Cabot Cove? Where are we? I don't know. All I know is Bernard's finally doing his job. Dropping off some mail, and he sees a woman on horseback with a wig, and goes, "That's got to be Countess Salvana. We all know she rides horses with wigs." On. Yeah, and he's talking with like a woman who walks like forty feet out of her house to get the mail from him. She's like, "I know you're lazy, and you want me to come get the mail. Otherwise, you just throw it in the fucking rainwater, which is what they do to the records when they bring them here. They just throw it in the rainwater." Um, and so yeah, she she's like. She is getting to because this was one of the barfly women too. She was yeah, at the, the bar blonde. and yeah, yeah, the blonde. And he's like, "That's Countess over there." But why is she riding over by the cemetery where that crazy Doctor Osborne lives? Yeah, well, yeah, that's definitely the Countess because I recognize her. She's fucking hot to trot. Look at that hair; it's really good. She's got like the wig she wears when she rides that horse and i mean i don't know why she's going to the cemetery but it's a free country but no that that he gets suspicious about that that's not where the count lives that's yeah. on the other side of she town on the other side of town why would she go to the cemetery so he goes to the back to the bar still playing that same song ferret stuff ferret still there <laughs> and this like uh as phil pointed out max is there his buddy max yeah and he's like you ain't gonna believe this I saw the countess, but get this. She's going over by the cemetery. We all know she never rides a horse by the cemetery. Oh, forget about it. We got to go investigate. Yeah, we got to go investigate. I, I meant forget about it in the uh, informal way. We need, to for, we need to not forget about it. We need to go see it for ourselves. Right. So they go over to Dr. Osborne's place, and they see Mattingly walking out with a human-shaped... Uh, 
satchel. Satchel. Sure. No, it looked like it was just like a, no, a tarp taped up. Yeah, no, it was a tarp taped up. Yeah. He's gone. He used to have the fucking like giant uh, corn sack or whatever, you know, something to keep like. Fun. Apparently, hemp, he's hemp got sack. he's got dimwit strength because he's just holding it up with one <laughs> arm like over his shoulder. Human body, dead weight, dude. That's not that's not easy. It is impressive. This and, kid, as stringy as he looks, he's strong. Yeah, he's got dimwit strength. Or half wit strength. I'm sorry, oh, half wit oh, strength. Half wit. Oh, half wit. You're gonna get canceled. Gonna have for that Twitter one. all over my ass. So, yeah, and uh, uh, Doctor Osborne's like seeing him off, like you go go bury that. And they're like, I don't, I don't like what this sounds like. Yeah, that looks like a body there. So, uh, we go uh, by the by the river. Yeah, now we got our count because Silvano oh, has count. barely been in this movie, and his wife has been missing for two, uh, maybe three this hours. This movie does not help us with days, timelines at all. So she's been missing for a while now, and he's like, "Where did she go?" And Here's, this is where we see him with that amazing jacket, that tent. This jacket. is where the jacket. Ooh, that jacket. And he's standing by the river, staring off into space. And they're like, boss, all we found was this the riding crop. And we know she goes nowhere without a riding crop. And then Postmaster goes, I wish to call the police. <laughs> what, what, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and then it's like Steve James. Like, that's Steve James, but it took me a while to recognize him. Oh, my God, you're they, right. They didn't have the powdered wigs on, but I noticed the mustache. It was a you're weird, right. Like, he had a must, like a justash. Yeah. Like, like Normad, <laughs> the one guy, James, or is it Steve? I don't know which one was which. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was them. That's his crew. That's his security detail. So the count calls the police, as you should do. Yeah. And they're, they all agree to meet up at the uh, at the the, the uh, Doctor Osborne's place. Yeah, he calls up the police, Makes and the police sense. they're like trying to reassure him, like, "Oh yeah, that sounds very sophisticated." Of course, you know the count. He brings all the water to the town. He's famous. Everyone wants to come get a selfie with him. So the police are gonna you know do something on the count's behalf, right? Mm. And after the count tells the whole story. They hang up, and he goes, the Count says to his goons, yeah, they ain't going to do shit. Let's do this ourselves. Let's go get the guns. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, help us go. Nothing else. Why, why did he call the police? They said they, I mean, the pol- Morton said he would take care of it, and then he's like, we shall have to handle this ourselves. Get to the <laughs> Like what, what the fuck? Like why did he call the police? Like the police are just gonna get in the way, like of him doing his like you know backwoods justice. Right. This isn't Father. Well, he owns the town. Logic. He can do whatever he wants. It, okay. You know? He can. Which do. makes you believe that he's got to be behind the sex code. But Morton or Silvano? Silvano. <laughs> Morton. Morton is such is such a lazy cop. Like, and then it takes like, and then they cut to Morton, who's with Bernard. Bernard's like standing right there, like while, after the count called him, explaining the whole story about how he saw the countess and he saw the freaking horse and he saw the body being dragged out of the professor's house by the halfwit, which is the which is what they actually that they call him the halfwit in this. Yeah, halfwit, halfwit, yeah, halfwit. 
And yeah. then, and all of a sudden, Morton's interested in helping out because usually, as you said, he's just eating like a beef sandwich. Mm. With, yeah, you beef with old bay on it. So the cops think that Professor Osborne's behind all this. Meanwhile, right. the Count knows it's Gondron because he's been trying to steal his wife. So they go to Gondron's house. The cops go to Dr. Osborne's house. Yes. Right. Because Bernard was there to collabor- corrobor- corroborate the story. Johnny Caraba, the story, and explain to him, oh, no, that is exactly what's happened. Osborne's up to some shit. So, of course, that's where the police go to first. Right. Without a warrant. Without a warrant. So they're only going to be there, and they looks like they drove up in a DeLorean. <laughs> they, with a siren they, on top. They went through time, yeah. Right. They, they leave, uh, or, or no, they go in, and like you said, they have no warrant, but they're like, hey, we're just here to go visit. You mind if we, like, hang out? And, uh, they, uh, they, they go, you, you, you uh, you, you uh, kidnapped, uh, Rose. Right. They accuse him of kidnapping Rose. They're like, we heard all about your work in California. We know you like the the young prostitutes. They're in the lab right now, right? Because they're the yeah. sangria is still bubbling. bubbling, and there's a gurney, and they just know there's blood all over this gurney. Right, it's just like Bernard explained. Like Osborne is such a dirty fuck; he never cleans up his blood. How is a scientist Doreen. leaving? Doreen's fault. Or Doreen, yeah. Doreen didn't clean up the blood because oh, she's, oh. she's ugly and she's <laughs> eavesdropping on conversation. Yeah, because, I mean, even Connors, when they say, oh, we think a beautiful woman is at your house, and then he totally trashes Doreen and says, unless you can identify Doreen as a hooker or a jet set beauty, and she oh. laughs it off because she's just abused. She's abused by Osborne. I. Didn't even consider that because I've been completely brain melted by a Ginty movie. But you are dead on. Wow. She didn't clean, and she didn't clean up the blood, so it's all her fault. Bastard She's also breath. a piece of shit. Yeah. That is amazing. And Osborne, but he's got the perfect cover. That's simply animal blood. Doesn't everybody have animal blood all over their house? Right. I mean, I'm not operating on you man i'm operating on i did that in california i learned my lesson dogs like family pets rabbits uh... but little does he know he's actually admitting to vivisection which is illegal it's illegal (laughs) vivisection is very illegal don't they also don't they also mention uh matthew carrying the the Body shaped uh, yeah. th- satchel, and they're yeah. like, he's yes. like, that was a dog, right? That what was the fuck. Was it a Great Dane? It was human size. I feel, I feel like that was a Size-like first. Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that was how he ended up having to own up to the vivisection. Was he's like, no, it wasn't a human. It was a, and then they find the blood. Yeah. Anyway, so they're finding all this evidence that's like, you're up to some really fucking weird shit. You need to tell us about it. And he's like, I don't have to tell you about shit. You don't even have a warrant. You came in here of your own discretion. Uh, yeah, but this blood says I need to go get a warrant. And he's like, I'll go find Matthew, and he'll explain the whole thing to you. And they're like, that half-witted dimwit? He's like, excuse me, half-wit is uh, a slur. Dimwit. Dimwit and half-wit. It's dimwit and half-wit, please. I'll go find him. He'll exonerate me. And they're like, well... You're you're under arrest. 
And Osborne has a perfect thing. He's like, oh, my IBS is acting up. <laughs> you mind? He wants, to like, he wants to get his coat that's apparently right. hanging in the bathroom. Well, you got to wear your coat when you poop. Yeah, right. you gotta wear, especially if you're wearing a, a Count Silvano coat, <laughs> like wearing that and nothing else. Yeah, that, that and then cool. he just goes yoink and just walks out the back door. <laughs> And then a cop out there has a machine gun and starts firing at him. MP40. I mean, he's so old that he somehow, like, matrixes the bullets. Yeah. Like, he's so slow. And he just scurries away. And the cop's like, my hands are tied. He ran away. I can't do anything. Well, that's going on. Matthew's in the background just staring into a, the light from the DeLorean police car. Oh, no, that was a later scene. Okay, well. That's when they get to Gondrad's place. But, oh, my God, that scene was fascinating. I... I wanted to watch that for an hour. Anyways, so the Countess is waking up, and it just so turns out we're about to learn about who our real villain is. And, God, we haven't spoiled it nine times up to this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we finally see that the plan has come to fruition. He find- What is his fucking plan? Is he a creep that's, like, kidnapping women, or is he doing good for society by torturing prostitutes? No fucking clue. What? the fuck but we get another dramatic shot where we see clearly see the countess and then a woman with that beautiful wig hair goes in the front of the frame beautiful pulls it off and we see it's it's lycia their fucking beautiful red hair holy shit that's amazing that was yeah. lycia the whole time that's crazy but I'm then gondrin dramatic turn gondrin who covers all bases goes wait a minute Where's that writing crop at? How okay? How the fuck did he know about the writing know? crop? Everybody knows about her and her writing crop. You just said she hits horses and men with it. Oh, and that was part of their sex play. That's Gondrad's thing. Yeah. He probably actually no. This actually does make sense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, movie. Andre. No, this makes sense. Go find it now. Well, that happens. We hear down, 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 down. The count has arrived at Gondrian's. Maddingly goes out to meet him, gives the stink eye to him, and the count just fucking like lays in demandingly, right? Yeah, he says, "Oh shit, that's fucking, uh, that's a fucking uh, brown chested nuthatch over there." And Maddingly, of course, is a birder, <laughs> so he looks over, turns back. Count fucking sucker punches the shit out of him. Mattingly has taken such abuse verbally and physically throughout this and movie. Every time Madeline gets beat down, that sets off Harvey to go run to the junk drawer to grab some more shotgun shells. It is true. It's a Pavlovian effect. He hears Mattingly, ah! and he's like, oh, shit, I need shells. Right. And he goes upstairs to that weird little attic room and gets some more shells. And again... We're so used to people getting guns and not hitting anybody. He comes down, and Count is smart enough to let his two goons come in, Steve and James, go in first. They both get shot with the shotgun. Yeah, immediately, yeah. Immediately. And then the Count is taken hostage. Yeah, the Count sees his men get shot and goes, well, I guess I'll walk in after. Literally just walks in right after. What the fuck is the Count's plan? My two men just got shot walking in this room. I guess I'll walk in there after him. Yeah. Well, he says, I keep raising, he got the white flag. He's like, I give up. Oh, I missed the white flag. And they start walking. And then he, then when Harvey, like, 
like gets him on the staircase. Yeah. And he starts taking him off the stairs and he says, Hey, uh Homo say what? <laughs> it's the eighties. I'm sorry, it's the eighties. And Half Harvey would say what? And Harvey goes, Oh what? And he goes, Oh and then he just kind of he softly tosses him to the ground. Yeah. And then a good guy. I love this this uh, Bo Swenson move. He literally bitch slaps the guy into submission. He doesn't even punch him. He just keeps slapping him repeatedly. That's beautiful. He's like, come that's on, come on. That's like, definitely my favorite. <laughs> there's, <laughs> three, there's, there's like three guys that that come out of nowhere like, hey, you. Like, who were they? <laughs> they charged the count because he had already knocked Harvey in the elbow. and He, he like slapped the shit but the last guy, he like knocks one guy off the banister. Like the the count is like now like fucking like Jeff Speakman. He just like slaps the shit <laughs> out of this guy. He just keeps slapping him, and it just humiliates this guy. And, oh, then, and that just like, gives Harvey this great moment to recover. And you know, and then the rest yeah. is history. He he uh, did have a Jeff Speakman flashback to him pummeling a couch tipped over right. with sticks. Yeah, and like we sense. said, this this is a this magical house. They go up the stairs and somehow find their way into the dungeon in the bottom. <laughs> Again, the logic of this house. Like, look, I'm trying to put together my Dungeons & Dragon campaign for my players. And I don't think in these uh, second floor leads to the basement type conditions, but apparently Frank Durai White does. And then we, we get the reveal that Gondron... Gon Gonorrhea is he's the villain. He welcomes him into his lair. He we see the countess tied up to the altar. Yeah. They put uh uh the count in a chair and tie his neck to it. Yeah. And then and then we're like, oh shit. I guess I guess the count wasn't involved with the sex cult after all. Right. So what was that room that he went to in the beginning of the movie? It's the bathroom? I bathroom. Oh. I don't know. Anyways, Osborne's looking for Matt. He goes to this like. I well, appear- let's remind everybody: Osborne is escaping the police right now. Yes, very slowly because he's an elderly man. Well, yeah, he got his coat. He did get his jacket. <laughs> That's true. Apparently, uh, Matthew and Jason Voorhees are like roommates <laughs> in this shack out in the woods. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Jason Voorhees, like, his fucking lair. <laughs> it looked like a Voorhees lair. But why? <laughs> oh, my God. Matthew, but Matthew's clothes are, like, I mean, I know they look like shit, but they don't look like he lives in a fucking like, lair. <laughs> or so. Ted Bundy. Because Ted Bundy uh, lived in the shack, too, and had tethered oh, clothes. Tether. Or Ted Kaczynski. What? Or Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, yeah, Ted Bundy. I meant... was... Yeah, no, yeah. Ted Kaczynski. Right. I meant Ted Kaczynski. I'm sorry. Uh, get your Ted's right, motherfucker. Yeah, you know your Ted's. Uh, so he can't see him. He's like, if he's not in his, his his shack. Where could he be? I'm just gonna go home. The cops probably left by now. You know, and they did the perfect plan. I'm just gonna walk away and then come back. Yeah, exactly. That's how I escape <laughs> the police every time. I walk five minutes away, and they're just you know. I, I've uh, we've done too much research, and I know after five minutes they go, our hands are tied, our hands are tied, our hands are tied, and they just leave. It's we've seen the story play out a million times. I got a whole thing about that for a chippy tap. We'll go we'll go into it on that. Okay. So yeah, the cops have left. So Matt shows up too. 
and this is the greatest scene of all time where we, we've learned all that computer work with Matthew has paid off. Oh, boy. I don't know how it's turned into what we're about to see here, but I just know that me and Murray, we're not a man of charades. You know, we talk to each other. We use eye contact, which is not charades. So, Phil, you're going to have to help us out. How does a, a dimwit talk? Halfwit. I fucked that up. Yeah. I, I like went through the recesses of my brain to try to get that right. Yeah. How does a halfwit well, communicate? You're a dimwit, but no, he's with a doctor. Yeah. I said obviously, Doc Doc Osborne is he Doc? Isn't Norman Osborne Doctor Octopus? <laughs> is that right? Is that no, right? Uh, no. Norman Osborne's a Green Goblin. Oh, the Green Goblin, but sorry. he's not Doctor. He's Professor Osborne. Professor, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Professor Osborne returns to his place and uh he's like where the fuck is matthew that's he calls him a son of a bitch so he's pissed like mr oh i'm so happy well because he's pissed about he didn't dispose of the dog properly so he's like all this trouble is because of matthew yeah he's like where's the dog matthew and this is where charades enter the for the first time in the movie it's it's kind of amazing you know and then Doc gets really pissed because, like, he's trying to tell him with his hands, and then, I'm sorry, Professor insists that Matthew use words because he spent all that time, frankly, training him and like teaching him on how to you know, actually speak. Well, at least say A, B, and C, yeah. Yeah, and he discovers that Matt, the dumbass, just put the dog in the river, so there's no proof. But Matthew decides to please the Professor that he learns something else really important and the professor is a little confused but he starts slap <laughs> he starts slapping his hands on his knees and you know to help pantomime something and he's trying to guess but but the pantomimes aren't working so where do you think he goes he goes right over to that commodore 64 oh my starts, god and and this is magic i love this, this is, no this is magic he's the original pixar studio he is the original Pixar studio. He <laughs> he shows the professor, and you know what? The professor who has been super like intelligent about everything, and he's like the know-it-all about how you know illegal stuff like Galileo has solved all the world's problems, <laughs> Mister yeah. Smarty Pants. But you know what? Matthew puts him in his place. He shows him how to really use a computer, and he pulls up like an MS Paint type thing, <laughs> and yeah. he and then he shows him what he's trying to say with the slapping knees and he takes like the tail of a like the, of a horse and yeah, a graphic yeah. pin and the he, tail on the horse yeah pin the tail on the horse and he and then the professor realizes he's saying horse and then he goes to another computer because you can't run two programs on the same computer <laughs> and he goes to another monitor like bernard said monitor. we can't piece it together he's got to see yeah, the yeah, horse yeah, yeah. and then the next yeah, thing yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he puts hair on a head. He puts a wig on a head. (laughs) He puts a wig on, and they're like, the Countess! Right, we all know she wears a wig. But she rides a horse. Long hair, but but the funny thing is, the Countess doesn't have long hair, so that's weird to me. She has short, like, you know, kind of butch hair. Like, it's kind of ugly hair. Everything we've seen is her with kind of shorter, curlier hair, like a 50s hairstyle. They didn't have the technology back then to do the graphics. Yeah, that's it. So it's like, oh, horse, Countess, and then the, the coup de gras. 
is they go to another screen and it's a Jeep without a tire. Yeah. Put the tire on the Jeep. Yeah. Because Change the Tire was a, such a fun game I grew up with after I played pinball for so long. I'd go over to Change the Tire. That. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it clicks for Chuck and for Chuck he's... for Osborne. And he's like, aha! We know now it's horse, woman, Jeep. We all know the whole story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call the police. Oh, and then like he's like the candidate, the canary. He's like, "Hello, Officer Morton. I'm home." This is such a fucking murder she wrote wrap up right here. Like, oh, we got the, we got, we got the halfwit to finally learn how to speak and animate, and he's giving it all away. The cops arrive and they're ready to haul in uh, our, our professor. And he's they just sitting there smoking out. his cigarette. Yeah, he's just out. like, Matthew, why don't you explain to these dimwits what's going on? You see, Murray on. used the slur. Right. Yeah. But, on the, but on the non-halfwits. Exactly. Right. Turned it around. Exactly. And then Matthew lays it out for them, and they're like, that makes perfect sense. Right. Matt Matt goes into his whole charade uh pan, pantomime. How does this again. tie into Gondrin at all? We know that the Countess first of all <laughs> the Count told everybody that his wife has been kidnapped yes. while riding a horse. Okay. What do they learn new? Was, the is Matthew is, gonna is Matthew gonna take them the to the is Matthew's mother? Oh yeah, because she is listening. <laughs> she is listening, by the way. She's got a little smile on her face. He's right. such a jerk. Like, she, no wonder Dosmore makes fun of her because, like, she's the one that tells the like, like when the police enter to talk to the professor, he's sitting there smoking that cigarette, and then yeah. Doreen actually is the one that says, "Wait a minute, Matthew knows what happened," and and then what is that? What is this scene for? Like, Connors goes. I'm sorry, Osborne goes and talks to Doreen and is like, "How did you know?" And she does this thing like, "I was peeping on you guys." Like she's, mm. it's so stupid. It is. Once Dang. again, how does any of this shit lead to Gondrin's house? Right. This movie was Nothing. made with like two ideas, and now they're like, "Oh shit, how do we wrap this?" And we're at the "How do we wrap this part?" All we wanted to know is like, "Oh yeah, it was this guy in the sex dungeon with a fucking hot iron?" And so we're finally getting to that's my f- favorite clue game. I know it's, yeah. we're finally getting it to was Professor Plum in the sex dungeon with a hot poker. With a yeah. So we're in the sex dungeon, and Alicia, they're like, hey, we're here. Why don't we just start torturing uh, the Countess? So she starts up the fire and the, the, for the hot poker, get a nice shot of uh, of Ginty in the background, steepling his hands like, yep. like Mr. Burns. Oh, yeah. And he's got his fucking worst turtleneck sweater on. And it's like, no, it doesn't matter how thick the neck is on your turtleneck. It won't hide those jowls. No. You're a hideous human Maybe being, accentuates. and the world is a better place without you walking in. Just as Lisa starts a fire, we hear He's like, "God damn it, the cops are there! Stall them!" Well, he's got okay. Mattingly's like the cops. We, have we do need to mention that in '81 or '87. He is the first person to have closed circuit security camera footage. That's he's got true. the ring doorbell <laughs> before it was the ring doorbell. And so they they start ringing the bells and playing the song, and then the ring doorbell starts up, and he's recording, and he's like, "Fuck, it's the goddamn police!" 
So he tells Mattingly to stall them for like five seconds while he comes back. He goes, up, he's got to get Lysio and he's got to get Harvey all ready. He's like, let's get our story straight. This is all that's going on here. Nothing big deal. Don't worry about it. And these cops, they have never have warrants. Never. So they need to talk Gondrin into letting them in the house. Vampire logic. Right. <laughs> and he just lets them in, I guess. I don't remember. I kind of just zoned out at this point in the movie. But, well, what happened? No. Okay. They all go up like, like a major domo, uh, Mattingly. <laughs> he, like... He, he basically is asked to stall, and then Ginty orders everybody out of the dungeon into Gondran's playroom. Right. Yeah, the pinball. They're ready. They're ready to go. Right. At the Kiss Pinball Machine. While that's going on, Rosalie, we all forgot about, she's laying on the ground yeah. in the dungeon. Oh, before we even threw Rosalie. Okay. Okay. I got the whole scene. I memorized this scene. Okay. 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 So Madeline comes out to welcome the police, and he says, oh, yes, I'll let you all in. The master is waiting for you. Let's them all in. They go into the maybe attic, maybe living room. We can't decide because they go in on the ground floor, but somehow they end up in the attic room first. And then they descend into the living room, which is the ground floor, but isn't the ground floor. I don't know. Again, movie magic. But then Madeline is standing outside and leers over, and I know you wanted to talk about, well, at least mention this, because he sees that it just so happens Matthew was in the trunk of the car or something, like Speed Racer, <laughs> who always keeps his monkey uh, mechanic Spritle, in the back. yeah. Yeah. And Chim Chim. And so Matthew has gotten out of the car, and again, I think the actor himself decided this is what a half-wit would do, and he steers into the police light swirling around, because it's still swirling around. Well, Maddenly looks like in total disgust. And he puts his finger, you know, his hand over his mouth like, oh my dear God, I live on this world with this human being. So now we're going inside, and so Gondrad, uh, Gonorrhea, welcomes his new guest from the attic into the living room. He's like, it's much more comfortable in my living room. I well, while that's, going, yeah, while that's going on, first, Rosalie yeah. comes yeah. to. thank you. And they're like, you know, because uh, uh, the Countess is shackled to this, this, this altar. And uh, first, like, the Count's like, hey, get me out of here. Because he's got ropes. Do you think it'd be easier? I don't know what's going on with Rosalie. She's been tortured for days. She's full. She's full of like little slashes and everything. We can right. see that it, it looks like jam or maybe jerk sauce, as we learned about in Predator Two. I didn't realize people did that, but they do it. And she's like struggling to get the shackles off of, of the Countess. Okay, yeah. then we cut up back to the room. So she's like, we're like, all right, she's gonna free the Countess, or so mm-hmm. we think. Mm-hmm. We're up to. We're in the. We're in the attic. Uh, garage, uh, bathroom. We don't know where we're at. Right. Now, we, we're, the, we're in the kiss room. I get, we, no, about? we went to... Gondrad welcomed them into the attic, and then he's like, it's much more comfortable down in my fucking pinball room. And they're like, <laughs> uh, hello, do you see these wrists? They're like steel. I'm ready. Apparently, wrists play a big part of pinball, and I don't know if that's true. They do. Uh, oh. Giant. My wrists are huge. Phil is confirmed? <laughs> He's got huge <clears throat> wrists. Wrists. Important. I didn't know those triggers were pressure sensitive, but I guess they are. And so... So, like, Gondor's like, hey, you're welcome to check out my attic. 
my my <laughs> pinball room, <laughs> my bathroom, master bedroom, master bedroom. Well, how about the cellar? Oh, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> why would why would a why, good cop like yeah. you want to check out a dirty cellar like that? I just keep my uh, <laughs> um chained up hookers. <laughs> Shit, I got no excuse for this one. Har- Harv, what do I keep down in this other that they don't want to see? Feces. My plumbing's broke. It's just full of shit. And they're like, we don't have a problem with that. Oh, look over there! And then everybody just opens fire on everybody. And well, it, give this, these stars. Okay, this we got to point out. Is this the reservoir? This is reservoir. This is reservoir dogs. Everybody, yeah. every character, they ran out of money, and every character dies in like twelve seconds. Yes, and there's a nice artistic shot where we see like like a piece of yellow stained glass. It just breaks. Yeah, a close up of that. There was like, Gondred was the first shot. He grabbed a chair as if this were fucking wrestling and broke it <laughs> over somebody's back. And then, yeah, we just get zoom-ins on people getting shot. Like, <laughs> it's too close to understand who it is getting shot, but we're left to assume that everybody got shot. And Gondrad escapes. Yeah, Harvey and Alicia get shot. They're dead. And, most yes. of, and half the cops get killed. Yes. But Harvey, Harvey was playing the Kiss uh, pinball machine, but he, he, had, he was packing heat on the right side, hidden. And that's where he had his old gun. He was, he was pretty slick. These pinball terminologies, packing heat on the right, I really want to know about this. Yeah, it's important. I have to bring it back for a pinball tip. It's no, a... I already said that. Mm. So, what do you, you if you're not if you're not going to run up to the roof like Predator, you run to the base. You always run to the place you can never escape. If you yes, want someone, that's the someone's smartest way. You. So he runs in there, but he there's a little like gate on the sex dungeon, so he closes it, locks the cops out. Cops are, the cops are like hands tied. We don't know what we can't get through with this. Uh Rosalie plays dead again. She couldn't get the shackles off of of the countess. Right. So is Ginty like, oh if I'm in here, I guess I'll torture the countess some more? Like I don't know what he's trying to do. He is savoring his victory because the cops are watching him do it, but they can't get to him. Because they're it. they're pressing their face he's, into- he's cucking the cops. Yeah, they, he like Ginty locked the gate so they can see him, and then they try to shoot the lock, and then yeah. they run out of bullets. And yeah, so they're watching Ginty like caress the Countess while Rosalie lurks below. Right, and Rosalie is just like, not this time, motherfucker, and stabs him with that fire poker, yeah. right, right in the kidney. Well, it wasn't a fire poker; it was like a like a. Axe or some shit with like, was with like the like the point on there. Halbert, something like that. Not, something I don't know. He stabbed. It. Meanwhile, Matthews just walks in and he's just staring through the bars. Oh no! What? How, okay, a. How did Matt get beyond Mattingly to get to the basement where they have this other entrance and this other gate where he's pressing his face because he's not at the same gate as the police and the police were yelling. No, don't kill him. We need to bring him to justice. She's like, how about this fucking justice? And murdered him. Yeah. Murder she wrote. And Ginty just like, oh, and does an over hammy kind of death yeah, scene. That, that was the, the biggest disappointment. They should have just, it was just such a weak killing of a villain. They should have chopped his head off or something or lit him on fire or some shit. But, well, I, no. Yeah. Hey, 
Well, yeah, he should have had like uh, the count like rip the fucking like, <laughs> ropes off himself and like crush his head or some shit. It's like never that. not enough with Ginty. Like just stabbing him is not enough. Yeah, Light him on fire, him pour acid into his face, uh, have somebody spit acid. Yeah, if he had been like stabbed and then fell face first into that cauldron that Lysia had started up, that would have been great. That would have been good. I'd have been crazy but we may not like it, but Matt loved it, and he yeah. ends the movie. Let Phil let close out this movie for us. <laughs> well, Matthew presses his face in between the cops. He, like, presses his face up into the gate, and he looks forward at what at the carnage ahead of him. And, the you know, Ginty just laying down, covered in blood from the, oh, whatever it was, the spear. And he says, Bad man dead. Good. Bad man dead. Good. There you have it, people. There's the movie. The problem problem I have with this is when did he learn? He learned bad man. Yes. And he learned good because the computer says good morning. Okay. He never learned dead. There's a plot hole. Oh. I mean, he never really learned context either. He just learned how to regurgitate shit. So the fact that he was able to put it together. There was just the dictums. Yeah. Was the was dictums. The, the dictums helped him figure out dead on his own. Oh, got it. Look, all I can say movie. is bad movie <laughs> over <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't know what to say, Phil. You either have balls of steel or the brains of a halfwit to pick this movie. Uh, to make your debut appearance. I I enjoyed it. It was fun talking about <laughs> a maniac killer. I mean, honestly, the way I found this movie is I went on to Tubi because I didn't want to spend any money on a no. Ginty movie. So right, and I looked up Ginty and I saw this, like, if you actually see the poster, it says mania killer. It doesn't say maniac killer. It's like this somebody, like, with, like, paint by numbers, like, Painted the face of like Chuck Connors, yeah, and and Robert Gint, and I was like, "What is this? I've never heard of this movie." And I pushed play, and it was it was love at first sight. It, I it, knew you all would love this movie, and I said, "This is it." I I, I I I have to agree with that. That that cover of the movie is terrifying, and I kept staring at it. And I will say, if it weren't for Matthew. I would not have been able to make it through this movie. It would have been slow and weird and just... I don't know what the fuck they would have done without Matthew in here. They introduced Matthew, and I was like, oh my god, what is this movie supposed to be about? And then the computer scene? Mm, this, no. And it gets you in and out. 80 minutes. In and out. So, yeah, I gotta say... It's nothing, it's efficient. Yeah, it's exactly. It's efficient and efficient. It's amazing. We, you know, we never asked Phil. What was your first Ginty experience? You know, the first time I noticed Ginty was probably 
was probably probably white fire honestly <laughs> white fire when i and then that's actually that's like the episode that you guys did on white fire is one of the best episodes of anything ever created and i'm oh, not just saying you. that because you're here but yeah. to me like your disdain for ginty i was <laughs> it was like the funniest thing i was laughing so hard at just the way you hated ginty and I just, I had to be a part of it. So hopefully you guys are wearing your Ginty t-shirts right now. I'm sure you are. Of course we are. Well, I yeah. mean, I, I got to say, I wore my t- two days ago and I went to the ice cream shop and they kicked me the fuck out. So I just want you to know the power of the Ginty shirt is that yeah. it's not just us that are offended. I went to Ferndale, accepting of all kinds. Pride yeah. Week's about to happen down there, where they shut down all of Eight Mile and Woodward, the two biggest streets that Michigan knows of. And they were like, we're not accepting of that kind, though. Nope. That's the one exception to Pride Week. No Ginties. And I so, wore a Ginty shirt. So the, the funny thing about the Ginty shirt, I think that everyone should know, is that I actually tried to create the Ginty shirt with one company online, and they would not make it for me. Would not create the Ginty shirt. Sorry, we don't do obscene material. It was against their rule, their rules and policies to, to <laughs> so, anything Ginty. Are you so going to take that? Trick Zazzle, and or I had to trick whatever company I ended up. I think it's Vistaprint. I had to trick them into creating it because I think they probably had a, a similar policy. Oh, okay. I, I mean, take this court to the fucking Supreme Court. It's Pigeon texting us right now. Guys, what the fuck? Where, where's where's my Ginty shirt? He wants a Ginty shirt, too. All I know is most people go through their life accomplishing nothing. It's just there's waste of space. But I'm proud to say, Griff, you and I have single-handedly turned the world against Robert. It's just too bad he's not alive to experience it. That would be the ultimate, but... I'm proud of what we've done, Griff, turning the world against Robert Ginty. I, it's probably our greatest accomplishment ever. You yeah. know, when we get to those pearly gates and they're trying to get us in there because neither of us really care about going. No. We don't need to be in there. But I, then, the re- only reason I don't want to go to hell is I know Ginty will be there too. and I don't, I don't want to spend time with Ginty. I don't want to spend time with Ginty. No. Because you know he's going to talk to us. Guys, I see you have a problem with one of my movies. Let me explain what I was going for. No, Mr. Ginty. Do not explain Cubs vs. Yankees to us. We already did it. You're horrible. So, first of all, thanks for coming on, Phil. It was nice to have you on. Pleasure. I'm Real sure. pleasure. Thank you, guys. I really had a good time. It was fun. Oh, don't worry. We're going to bring you back on and make you you know, do a movie that we like instead. <laughs> Maybe okay. a hero that you disagree with. No, you need to start uh, thinking well, about what uh, what a TV cop is your your spirit yes, animal. Cop so you a can feel. cop in a feel. Yeah. That's going to be our new segment for all our guests. Let's start thinking it, about it, that. It, we've been having way too much fun. So yeah, a cop procedural that you enjoy because we need to get you on for that. <laughs> I'm on it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, let's do it. So I want to apologize for everyone having to listen to us talk about Ginty, but next week we're We've, this this movie was so cerebral that we need something really dumb for next week, Griff. So dumb. By the way, I'm giving Griff a break. We've been having so many guests on lately. <laughs> and shows. 
This is not a tight week for me. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna cut that one on the guest. We're, we're but we're gonna do a, a not a first. This is our second time. We're actually gonna be guesting on somebody else's podcast in a couple weeks. The Cult Film Companion Podcast will be having an appearance by us. Where we'll be talking about a little uh, movie about by a guy named Sam Raimi, a fellow Detroiter. So look for that in a few weeks. But next week, like I said, we got too cerebral this week. We talked about, what was it, Intense, Indense? What the fuck was that thing? I don't know. We're going to be doing a stupid movie. And I don't think it gets any stupider than the Highlander series. So we're going back <laughs> to the world of Highlander. This is a movie neither one of us has seen. I don't even remember the subtitle. I only know it's Highlander 3. I think it's called For- Forbidden Dimension or some shit like Final Dimension. Okay. I don't fucking know. I've never seen uh, it. I, oh, I'm, I'm excited for something. Oh, so we'll be doing that next week for Highlander 3. I see. See, see you next week. Keep it warm.